language used by Curtis Sliwa is replete with spoonerisms, malaprops, and fractured phrases, and is not a reflection of the language that you should use in your normal conversations. It is Sliwanics. And a glossary of its words and definitions are posted on WABCRadio.com. This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bay. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. I'm going to take you to the break of dawn. No, no, that's not the same dawn that Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons are singing about. And in fact, uh, as you know, I've been in constant search. As you know, Broadway Billy to try to find dawn at City Hall. Who's supposed to register me as an intern to become potentially the rat star of the city of New York. But after a week... I've been given the circle jerk, the rope-a-dope, and I can't find Dawn. There's about five, six different Dawns who work down at City Hall in a massive bureaucracy of people with no-show jobs, people who basically fiddle away the day and do nothing. It's not only unique to Eric Adams, but almost all administrations. Uh, feather bedding uh, takes place, the patronage system, and I... Just have not been able to find Dawn. But the other reason that I'm playing Dawn is that it is amazing coming off of Tony Orlando and Dawn. Whatever happened to Dawn there, right? What happened to Dawn? Tony Orlando has never answered that question adequately for me. 
I believe that Dawn, who partnered up with Tony Orlando when they had that variety show and when they toured the nation. I think she was originally from East Harlem. If anybody out there actually can connect the dots for me, please do so at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And amazing, it's been how many decades that Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons have been out there? And Frankie Valley is on tour again at 88 years old. 88 years old. Now, it didn't go so well at the first stop. Uh, first stop was, uh, I believe, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, the show had to be canceled due to unanticipated medical procedure that had to be performed at the Florida Theater on uh, earlier today. I got to tell you. When you're 88 years old and you're traveling around the country and you're performing a total of 23 shows, you must still have some juice left in those uh, pipes of his. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We're operating uh, with a bit of a handicap today because our, uh, our nighttime producer, Avery, our phone screener, uh, is on loan, Operation Hush Hush Mush Mush. Uh, we have not been informed by uh, our owners, John and uh, Margot Katzmatidis, and our management here what secret mission he has been dispatched to. But as a result, on loan from WCBS-FM, where he's been there consistently for four decades, Monday through Fridays, it's Broadway Bill Lee. And obviously, coming over here to WABC on the on the weekends, Saturday when I take you to the break of dawn from 12 midnight to 6, and now as we're plunging into Sunday morning from 12 to 6. And I would say that it's got to be a little confusing for you, Broadway Billy, because for five days a week, you're ensconced in FM. Amongst the freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly crew, the free marijuana crew, the Frank Morano crew and the uh, Frank McKay was president of our own uh, FM operation, WLIR, that reaches out to the east end of Long Island, all the way out to the Cuomo compound. That's right. Afredo, Chris Cuomo, has got his compound in Southampton. That's where his brother, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, has hit the mattresses and is stirring the marinara sauce with his uh, brother Fredo and with his one-time consigliere, Joe Pacoco. Joe Pacoco just finished doing a bid of six years in federal, uh, well, federal uh, penitentiary, they call that. I call it a federal camp. And now he's moaning and groaning, going to the United States Supreme Court, claiming he was unfairly prosecuted and found guilty. So what do you want? Six years back, you're a crook like the rest of the Cuomo's out there. I could give you a whole laundry list of things. So they listen religiously on our FM affiliate, WLIR. But for the rest of you, it's the 50,000 powerful watts of sound on the Tower of Power in Lodi, New Jersey, right above Satin Dolls, where our uh, crack engineer... That's right, he hangs out there, he gets brumskis and lap dancers in the back room, and then on occasion, he has to climb the tower to knock off the ice on the discronificator because then that cannot conflate and process all of your calls. In fact, right now, 
We have absolutely no calls. So I know there's something wrong with the discronificator. And we have to somehow get the oscillator from the FM tower out in WLIR in the east end of Long Island to conflate with the discronificator on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the blowtorch of the number one news talk station in the nation in Lodi, New Jersey. And remember, you can hear it in a sliver of Europe in 38 states, parts of Canada, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker, the separation being uh, the Bahamas from Bermuda. We'll try it again. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And the system is down. There's no doubt about it. Looks bad here. Looks like I'm going to have to be talking for six straight hours, which, as you know, Broadway Billy, I can certainly do. I got a lot to jammer about. I got a lot to yak about. But what the hell? You know, this is your time to be heard. I know you're used to all these other other shows uh, at WABC and other stations, whether it's talk TV or talk radio, in which uh, they have guests. I don't have guests. I believe you're the guests because you have more to say than almost any guest that could possibly fill these airwaves. Because remember, everything with them is pre-recorded in their thought process. They've gone over their lines over and over and over like a uh, actor or an actress practicing like a thespian who has uh, learned their lines. And you're not going to break them. You're not going to break them from what they have to say. But this is a place where you can be heard. And imagine with an 88-year-old guy, Frankie Valley, on tour. At 88, hitting 23 different shows, says a hell of a lot. I want to ask a uh, Curtis Lee Booby Prize question, though. Uh, I grew up listening to Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons uh, out of Newark, out of uh, right outside uh, of Newark in Bloomfield. And I always wonder where the hell did the name Four Seasons come from? If anybody out there actually knows, please feel free to give a call at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Because of, uh, because of stocking issues, because of supply chain problems, as a result of the inept, incompetent transportation secretary, uh, boy mayor of South Bend, Boudigier, we may not necessarily have enough of the tchotchkes to give to you so I've been uh, sort of limited in terms of what I can give out. At one point, I was giving out like 25 uh, tchotchke prizes uh, each morning. And then all of a sudden, they said, hold your horses. Come on, hold your horses, Sliva. So I'm trying to discipline myself, limit myself, since we do have supply chain issues that are plaguing all ports of call throughout the United States, from Seattle down to Portland down near the port of Oakland and San Francisco and uh, down to uh, Los Angeles. And then over, if you pass through the Isthmus of Panama, come over to the East Coast, down to Port of Miami, Port of Jacksonville. Then you come on up, Port of Savannah, Port of Baltimore, Philadelphia, naturally New York City, and you go up to the Port of New Haven and Boston. And so we have supply-side issues. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll take it nice and slow since our discronificator has not yet conflated with our FM oscillator and we'll give it some time to bond. 
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, um, when you consider Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, imagine what it must have been like. There you are, you're Jay, uh, Jay Black and the Americans. You're like the number one group in America. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, if not number one, number two, the early 60s. You're dominating uh, the playlist. Top 40, Billboard, Top 40. You're touring the country. You're filling up uh, places like Madison Square Garden, 18,000. You might be playing three dates in a row, a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And then all of a sudden, the British invasion takes place. They come on over. First the Beatles, then the Rolling Stones, then a whole bunch of British groups. Everybody was into the British group. And then imagine what it must have been like for Jay Black and the Americans and for Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. They weren't top shelf five star any longer. You had to really be British. It was uh, an incredible fall from grace, I would have to say. And then an incredible climb back out of that abyss in which you were just an American band, uh, American doo-wop, acapella band, and then to eventually... Uh, as Frankie Valley was able to do, pen uh, a musical that became a hit on Broadway, The Great White Way, then had a touring company all over the country. And it became synonymous with uh, Jersey. Probably more so, I think, in many ways than Springsteen and Bon Jovi, in many, many ways, as far as I'm concerned, because of the era. Because it was the era of the baby boomers. Because it was the era where there was a lot of political insurrection but groups like Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, Jay Black and the Americans, they didn't delve into politics at all. They just stayed above the fray. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's try it. We're going to try out our phone system to see if our disquantificator has uh, conflated with the uh, oscillator here, uh, Broadway Billy. Let's try Ken first. Uh, you calling from Bergen County, Ken? Yeah, that's right, Curtis. How are you? I've had better days. Uh, I'm telling you, our oscillation here is just not hooked up to our discronificator, but we're going to make a go of it. We're going to take you to the break of dawn. All right. That's good, Curtis. Now, just want to say, state of New York City, if we had mandated the Bob Grant Mandatory Sterilization Act of 1970, things would have been much better. Well, I have an addendum to that, Ken, because obviously uh, it was considered tri uh, quite draconian, tying up a uh, woman's tubes. I mean, it could be reversed. But did you ever think mandatory saltpeter in the Cheerios, in the breakfast, in the brunch consumptions for all men, regardless of their background, regardless of their uh, wealth, whether they're poor and impoverished, middle class or rich, you do know the effect that saltpeter would have. Absolutely, but that was not Bob Grant's solution. No, no, but then again, I'm not going to pimp off of Bob Grant. He was the king of talk radio. I have created my own solution, which, in fact, was a solution used in the military for many decades and in prisons for many decades that would all of a sudden take the male member that would normally be quite turgid and immediately it would be flaccid. It would not want to perform. It wasn't excited. It just <laughs> it just stayed in its uh, little bird nest. 
Absolutely, Curtis. But it would have solved a lot of problems back in 1970. Well, I'll tell you this, uh, Ken. Uh, I, I want to do homage uh, to the King of Talk Radio, uh, Bob Grant. He is my mentor. He is the reason that I'm in Talk Radio. I certainly uh, do not want to in any way infringe upon what was his and his solution. Mine is good old-fashioned salt Peter. Uh, get off my phone. That's right. Get off my phone, you jerk. And he would say that to people who were friendly. This was the most incredible thing. You could have been a sickle fan, Tony and Lackey, Ken. You could have been calling up Bob Grant saying, Bob, you're great. You're wonderful. You should run for president. And he would say, it's your life so miserable that all you have to do each and every day is wait for me to come on to the radio. Get off my phone, you jerk. Which is a complete opposite of what everybody in our business does. We seek to have people who kiss us on both cheeks who tell us how wonderful we are. And with Bob Grant, it was the exact reverse. He wanted to dis and dismiss them. And also, Curtis, when he heard the accent, prior to your arrival in my country, where were you from? Exactly. And then there would always be resistance blowback on the other side, like, well, you know, hey, what, what country are you from? And then the guy would resist even more. Hey, hey pal, tell me what country you're from. I mean, it really got heated. And sometimes the person on the other end of the phone just would not divulge their country of origin. And he would say, why, you're not proud of the country that you came from? Well, he used a lot of psychology to extract that information. You are the man, Curtis. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Uh, our number is one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. I seek information from all of you. I don't need professional guests. I don't need spin doctors. Where did, the, where did the name Four Seasons come from in 1960? Where did Frankie Valley get that name for his group, the Four Seasons? And then went on to become the number one group in America, vying back and forth with Jay Black and the Americans for that title until the British invasion came across the pond. And then all of a sudden it was a steep decline for so many American groups. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. We do so in honor of Frankie Valley, who at the age of 88 is on tour. 23 different shows. Uh, except the first one out of the box, right there at the Florida Theater. Didn't go so well, they had to cancel it. So, uh, hoping, hoping everything is copacetic out there, Frankie Valley, and... Uh, Whoever your four seasons are now. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's go to uh, Gary, who's calling from Inwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Good morning, Curtis. Uh, a little criticism of what you do with Tony Orlando. Anytime you refer to him, you refer to Dawn in the singular. I don't see that. You don't understand that it's two women who were in back of him. Uh. And you always say one which I don't understand is the other thing. If you're really curious, I find it very hard to 
understand that you can't get a hold of Tony Orlando yourself. Well, this is the enigma in uh, Gary and Inwood. Uh, nobody seems to ever want to answer that question. It's sort of like, whatever happened to a number of people that used to be regularly uh, a part, a feature of TV programs or radio programs, and then you ask that question and you never get any answers back. Now, you say that Dawn consisted of two women, uh, yes. but it still it was Tony Orlando and Dawn, so obviously that meant two. I believe both the women were from East Harlem. I'm not completely sure. But you never sure. say that. You always refer to them as one. And why wouldn't you just call him? And I I'm not, I never get an answer, Gary. I'm trying to find the, the dawn that I was referred to at City Hall by Eric Adams to become an intern, uh, which he says is necessary for me to officially become the rat czar of New York City. So no, I just find it hard to believe that you can't get a hold of Tony Orlando. Oh, no, we've spoken from time to time, but whenever I ask that question, Gary, silencia is quiet. He doesn't answer your question? No, I don't think he's answered that question to anybody, to be honest with you. But then again... Well, if you ever saw them perform, you would see the two women there. So would that singular thing that you do would be out of the window. Why do I... I'm thinking back to his variety show, was number one in the nation... I remember we, we were dus- discussing how he helped revive George uh, Carlin, uh, uh, who was uh, persona non grata by the networks. Uh, why am I thinking it's just one woman? Why, why do I have this mental block, Gary? I don't know, but once again, I think that question could be answered straightforward by Tony Orlando himself, and I'm sure you have the means to talk to him. I think it'll be incumbent upon me to confront Tony Orlando. And his brother about that. Although I never seem to get an answer, and none of our callers seem to know. Anyway, let's go to Mike, who's calling from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Hey, Curtis. Uh, Four Seasons got their names from the name from the Four Seasons Bowling Alley at Route 22 in Union. <laughs> uh, Isn't that an odd place to get the name of your group from a bowling alley? Well, that's- well, that's where they got their start. They started playing in there, and that's how they got their start there. I actually belonged to a bowling alley, a bowling league there back in the 80s. Let me ask you a question. Uh, did you ever hear of the bowling alley in Clifton, not far from Patterson, uh, that was named after Yogi Berra and Phil Rizzuto? Uh, no, never heard of it. I'm an Elizabeth guy. I don't go up that way. Now, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that... There's a certain line of demarcation for you. You're an Essex County guy. Is that what you're saying? A Union County? I'm a Union County guy. Oh. Union County is for my times with Aaron Rumson. Wow. So you will not go to Passaic County? No, I got no need to go to Passaic County. Uh, now, now, how many years have you been bowling, Mike? How many years? <laughs> Listen, that was a one and done. Played the league there for yep. a year or two, and that was it. That's I'm it. Already... So you really didn't get into the sparkle ball, you know, which is part of the Polish-American legacy. I mean, if you were to say if there was one sport that was synonymous with Poles, it's Sparkle Ball, it's Bowling. Brunswick. No doubt. Bowling. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like in the DNA. There's something about it in the DNA. But I appreciate that. Uh, a little short of personnel here. I don't know what it is, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, you know, during the day, there's like 10,000 people working here. I don't know half the people what they do. I have no idea what they do. They run around, they 
video, you know, social networking. Uh, there's two of us here. How do you figure that out? It's like 5,000 people here during the day doing things that have nothing to do with radio. I've always complained about their podcast, this, you know, they're doing this and doing that. I'm saying is that's not really what we do. We do a radio broadcast, a live radio broadcast. I know you think all those other things are important, but they're really not. And yet here we are stuck, me and you. And you say, where are all these young whippersnappers? Uh, are they not available at work? Do they not want to work? They're here all day long uh, growing uh, barnacles on their backside, you know, and say, excuse me, young lady, what do you do here? Why hold the chair down? What do you do with that camera? I have no idea. They just tell me to aim the camera. I got to get down to the nitty-gritty of this. It's sort of like the broadcast is everything. Without a broadcast, there is no radio station. How do you have 5,000 people here during the day, all of them scratching their bellies, and then you only got two of us here at night? I Something not right about this. But we will charge on to the break of dawn. Uh, I kid you not. Uh, with the two of us, you have a total combined uh, 75 years of experience. Uh, Broadway Billy on the board and also handling the phones. Um, he's got an experience of 40 years over at WCBS-FM. I have a total of 35 years, mostly at WABC and at other radio stations where I'll never get that uh Oh, she is back in my life. Anyway, let's uh, see if we can go back to the phones, uh, Broadway Billy. Let's go to Liam, who's calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Liam. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? I was uh, calling about, um, I heard you with uh, with your boy Sid on Friday morning. And uh, it was a great, it was a great uh, show. I think you just really need to fucking stick with that guy. I'm sorry. You need to stick with that guy. In reference to, like, glue trap, you know, stick on him, like a fly trap, uh, like a spider's web. What do you mean stick on him? No, no, I mean stick with him because you're his older, his older brother. I love Sid. I'm glad he's doing good, especially, you know what I mean, with Bernard being gone and all that. God bless Bernard. But the thing is, I'm glad to see his show doing good. But he needs you because without you... You know, he's going to maybe get, you know, he's going to let people like Adams and people lead him astray. So he needs you to be on top of him. Mm, that's, an, that's an interesting concept because I am older than Sid. I'm, uh, I got about uh, 12 years on him. So, yeah, I'm like an older brother. I've been at this a little longer than him. He's been at it 30 years. I've been at it 35 years. We understand this thing of ours, radio, uh, unlike a lot of our colleagues who do that, as a secondary career, you know, they're really TV people. You can tell when you listen to their, their radio programs. It's like, really? You're doing TV on radio? If I, if I want TV, I'll turn the TV on. I don't need I turn radio on. I want theater of the mind. I want creativity. I want entertainment. I want information, right? Isn't that what you want, Liam? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. I, I listen to all the time. You, you know, you down here in Philly, and I'm talking to people today, you know, like, because actually now Philly has... You know, I think half of Brooklyn from is is living down here now, like the original Brooklyn people. And you two, you two are original Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, you know that. And I had uh, 
Quite a few battles there in southeast uh, Philly with Skinny Molino. That guy, man, he tried to whack me down there. I'm just trying to go down there and deal with the crime problem in uh, southeast Philadelphia. We don't need you here. Oh, excuse me, you don't have crime in Philly? Well, we don't need you from New York. Man, everybody takes umbrage whenever I'm invited into places. And nobody ever invites me into the good neighborhoods. You do understand that. You know, generally people get invited. You know, it's a upscale, maybe a vacation kind of a circuit. I get, inv- I get invited into the hood. Uh, wherever there are problems, they invite me. And then there are always people there. So we, don't, we, don't, we, we don't need you. Get out of here. Like, really? You invited me to tell me to get out of here? Then I just dig in even more. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al, uh, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Hey, how are you, Curtis? I know you you have better days. But anyway, I respect you. I love you. Uh, You're a couple of years uh, older than I am. I'm 65. Uh, But uh, what I'm calling about is the rat problem. The reason that Adams did not hire you is because even though you said you were going to do it for free, you wanted to do it on your time. And he needs somebody to do that 24 hours a day. You know what I'm saying? So maybe that's why he didn't hire you. Well, number one, Al, I didn't want to get hired. Uh, I don't want any money. Uh, I do this anyway. Yeah, you say you do it for free. Right. And by the way, if you're going to be a rat czar, Al, you got to be out when the rats are out. And they come out at 10 at night, and they generally go back at 4 or 5 in the morning into their lair. So that's the only way you can deal with them. Uh, it's just that uh, I think he, he got upset because we were asked to deal with his particular building on Lafayette Avenue in Brooklyn, which is rat infested. I mean, uh well, just just so you know, a pair of rats will create 1,250 rats a month, a, a year. You know what I'm saying? And if, if, if a pair of rats will create 1,250 rats a year and multiply that times however many, you're talking about 500 million rats. And they only have a lifespan of a year. So they're, uh, they're, they're going to be here way before you and I are because they live underground. And if there's ever a nuclear bomb, we're all gone, and the roaches and the rats are the only ones that are going to be left over. So true, but uh, I've always said the answer for this, Al, is abstinence is their cure. If we can only convince those rats not to procreate, not to fornicate, not to copulate, abstinence is their cure. But, you know, they get a little too frisky. And then all of a sudden, that's when the feral cats come in. Because the moment they smell that feral cat, whoop, they abort their litter. They are so terrified of the feral cats. By the way, you probably saw a beautiful picture that circulated earlier today on all the social networking. I had to grab a few hours of sleep. And all of a sudden, there was Peanut, one of our many rescue cats at the house. Uh, I was copping a squat, man. I had just, like, passed out. And it was Peanut jumps on me, and it takes down your blood pressure. It naturally takes down your blood pressure. Speaking of cat, let's go to Cat in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cat. Hey, how you doing tonight? I, I just want to give you a shout out from the free state of Florida. 
I can't say the sunshine state because our weather is 41 degrees and dropping. Imagine that. <laughs> mm, now, which part of Florida, Kat? I live in Lake Wells in the county of Polk County, where we had the best sheriff in the world, oh, Sheriff yeah. Grady Judd. Yeah, sheriff down there tells you, hey, look, if you got a six shooter and somebody comes to your door, shoot him, right? You got that right <laughs> in a heartbeat. And I that's, love it. That's the best defense, a stand-your-ground right? defense. The people have to be able to defend themselves. Now, you don't have any orange groves left in Polk County, do you? Not many, unfortunately. They're being replaced by houses. Yeah, yeah. those subdivisions, because all of us are coming down there, right? And you're running out of yeah. housing and space. I remember <laughs> as a kid going down to Florida, down Old Dixie Highway. Uh, mm-hmm. Took it all the way down, and then, uh, uh, you know, it goes all the way down. You hit every little town in between. But the moment uh, we hit central Florida on our way to Miami, North Miami Beach, Hollandale, Hollywood, that area there, we would see these enormous orange groves. And when the temperatures would go below freezing, which occasionally they do, you would see the men get out in the fields, the field workers, I don't know if I can say field workers anymore because the University of South Carolina has banned the term field worker, a feeling that that somehow is subject to uh, connecting us to slavery, which is so ridiculous because there were field workers in the 60s who were not slaves. They'd take these barrels out, these huge oil drums, and they'd burn wood there to keep the temperatures around the orange groves warm so that the crop wouldn't freeze, because if the orange uh, crop froze, that was it. It was destroyed. That's right. We got what we call smudge pots. Yep, that's exactly right. Now, now, what do you think all these northerners who are coming down, like folks from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, every day they arrive in parts of Florida? Well, that's funny. Well, that's funny you should ask me that. Um, You know what? We welcome everyone to our state, but we say don't bring your wokeness to our state. What does that tell you? That's right. Don't bring your wokeness and don't bring your crime, right? Oh, my gosh. That's exactly right. I'm a retired Marine, so I'm the Marine that married an Army guy to upgrade his life. So, yeah, so we uh, yeah, we don't go for no foolishness around here. And would you please explain to anybody who thinks nefariously they might go down there because they've seen their prices are up, that there are wealthy people in Florida and that they might be subject to a home invasion or a break-in or a carjacking or any number of those crimes. Do you give them an idea of what most Floridians would do? Well, we shoot you between the eyes. Put it that way. <laughs> See, what, what, what? So refreshing. So refreshing. And then... I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. Right. And then you call the, the sheriff's office to come pick them up. If necessary, you call the morgue to come pick them up and put them on a slate, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's boy. Right. That, that, that's, that's so right. good. Now, where were you originally from, Kat? Where were you born and raised? Um, I was born over in uh, uh, Tripoli, Libya, North Africa. I'm Italian, and I was adopted um, by an Air Force colonel. And I just found my Italian family in Perugia here about... 12 years ago. That's amazing because I know I've run across many Italians who uh, actually had settled in Somalia, Eritrea, uh, definitely in Libya, because those were all Italian colonies for a while. That's right. 
That's right. And there were many Italians who settled there. They intermarried. That's why you go to Somalia, right? You see these hardcore Muslim warriors. You know, they got their AK-47s. They're chewing that cat, which, like, is a narcotic. And they have names Sal and Vincent and Joey. <laughs> right? Right in Somalia. A guy named Sal, Vincent, and Joey. And you say, oh, this must be the lineage of all the Italians and the occupation of Somalia, Eritrea, uh, and Libya for all those years. Right, right. Well, Kat, thank you for the report. Thank you for warning all of us uh, coming down from the Northeast. But I got to warn you, unfortunately, we're going to continue the exodus out of the Northeast. Your prices are going to go up. Your housing prices are going to go up. So I'm I'm hoping that, you know, you'll be neighborly to us and not just put up signs and say, enough already. Stay out. No, come on down. Come on down. Yeah, appreciate yeah, that, no. Kat. Well, yeah, appreciate you're welcome. That. Hey, it was nice to talk to you. Hey, you take care. Right? Anytime. And from Polk County, all of you, remember, we played what the uh, sheriff says down in Polk County. We advise the people of Polk County to have a gun, we'll train you with a gun, and if somebody comes on your property, shoot him. And if necessary, leave him right there. <laughs> hey, is it great? Right? They don't have anywhere near the kind of crime problems we have here. But you deal with our police here. Oh, my God, heavens to Betsy, you should actually take out a gun and use the gun in defense of yourself, your property. And then we got 10 lawyers Although they got them in Florida, too, man. That is that is the state of a lot of litigation. There are like 10 lawyers for every citizen, and they practice their martial art, which is I sue. That was the other thing going down Old Dixie Highway. You see all those billboards, law firm after law firm after law firm, urging you to sue, 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 sue. The states where I run across the most lawyers who are into a sue-happy business Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, and Florida. Definitely Mississippi number one, Florida number two. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Platform shoes, bell bottoms, polyester waffle weave, flame retardant shirt. Oh, and just like a whirling dervish on the dance floor. It's actually inculcated Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons into disco. Because before that, you really wouldn't hear a Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons song on the disco floor. And then when they came out with this jam, yeah, this was something you could definitely dance to. 
could do the hustle, the Patty Duke, the pump. You had actually uh, freestyle to this. That's what was good about this. And so, again, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons found a way to regenerate themselves and make themselves listenable to a disco-oriented generation. And not the generation of doo-wop and acapella, which came out of the 50s and 60s. And I remember, oh boy, heading over to Newark. Hmm, Zanzibar, Club Zanzibar. Oh, they played this, this song. Because naturally, you go to Newark, hey, yeah, Frankie Valley, the fourth season. Well, they don't even live there, right? Uh, Frankie Valley was born there, but they all moved to Bloomfield outside of Newark. I'll never forget, DJ was spinning Frankie Valley in the four seasons, this jam. Club Zanzibar, and I said, Broadway Bill Lee, man, I am a minority in this club. Oh, a big minority. Thought I saw maybe three other people who looked like they were Caucasoids, but who knows? Maybe they were Boricanos, Boricuas. But I had, to, I had to dance this song off because this was classic Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Imagine, at the age of 88, Frankie Valley is on tour, 23 shows, except a little, uh, little problem tonight in Florida. First show, <laughs> some kind of medical uh, procedure uh, caused an unanticipated cancellation. Well, I would think he's probably wearing... You know, the medical alert uh, thing that goes off. How the hell does he hit those high notes? I'm amazed. How can he he hit those acapella high notes? I remember Jay Black, uh, in the end, he could hit those high notes, but he had had to sort of stop and then tell a little narrative, you know, a little vignette, and then catch uh, catch his breath and then go back to singing. I have never seen Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons in concert. Heard a lot of their music. Never saw them in concert. I'm sure some of you have. Man, that's one I haven't, I haven't done in my life. Anyway, let's go to Paul calling all the way from Hartford, Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Curtis, uh, great, great to talk to you. I really respect you. In a lot of ways, but I'm a, a talk radio aficionado. I love the Gene Shepherd, Bob Grant, and you're you're in that era. You're 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 as good as they are. Gene Shepherd, the theater of the mind, was fabulous, telling stories, and and you're like that. You have the politics, storytelling. You have it all. And you're one of the greatest. That's all I want to say. Thank you, Curtis. Bye-bye. Well, well, Paul, to everybody out there who grew up as Paul did with some of the greatest talk radio hosts and hostesses of all time, uh, I must tell you, uh, I can't even shine these guys' shoes because they were the pioneers. Uh, I'm sure that what I do at times reminds you of Gene Shepard, reminds you of Bob Grant, might remind you of some other great talk show hosts like uh, Barry Farber, Barry Gray, Long John Nebel, Candy Jones, uh, 
Oh, man, there's so many of them. Uh, oh, oh, and, and your favorite. Uh, how, how can I not mention it, Bob Lee? Coming out of Queens, uh, the bag woman there, Lynn Samuels. Um, just to tell you how good Lynn Samuels was, Lynn Samuels replaced Joyless Behar. Joyless Behar was on mid-mornings from 10 to 12, right after, at that time, Angels in the Morning. I was on with uh, my wife at the time, uh, uh, Lisa, and we were on from about 6 to 10. And Joyless Behar would come in, do no show prep, and think she could do comedy for two hours, which is impossible, absolutely impossible. If you were at Robin Williams at his best, if you were some of these other great uh, comedians, Eddie Murphy, there's no way you could riff for two hours and do comedy. And yet she thought she could. And she got replaced by Lynn Samuels, who had made her talk radio bones over at WBAI. You know, free uh, free talk radio there. Boy, that, that's a labor of love, WBAI. I made a contribution to that. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Glad tidings we bring to you. God, where'd she find that? <laughs> okay. Now, I never got along with Lynn Simons. I was to be perfectly honest. But she was a great talk show hostess. And I first heard her at WBAI. Uh, and I've actually made donations to WBAI before the start of the year because I remember listening to them as a teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah. avant-garde, free-form radio. I believe more talk radio is good talk radio, and it's also uh, job security. If I ever get bounced here, right, you know, the talk uh, talk radio uh, stations that I can possibly go to, right? But, no, more talk radio means you're going to get better overall talk radio. It's like anything else, competition. Competition brings out the best in you. If WABC were the only talk station in New York City, and we are global now, we are a regional entity, we uh, reach 38 states, parts of Canada at this time of night, a sliver of Europe right on down in Davy Jones's locker, uh, separating the Bahamas from Bermuda. If we had no competition, the product would be much poorer. Competition pushes you to do better because you see what your adversaries are doing, and you listen. And if they're doing things that are really good, you say, hey, you don't have to uh, reinvent talk radio. If What comes around goes around. If this is what listeners like, and that's what you should do. Let's go to Steve, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Curtis, come on. Lynn Samuels, the bag lady? If men were the ones who got pregnant, do you realize they probably have, like, free abortion clinics on every block in the world? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what she referred to herself as. All right. I understand. But I sure do miss Lynn. I really do. And thank you, Curtis, for keeping the WABC pump line going at a low die. It's gratificators and everything. Yeah, well, you know, we got the interference now, Steve, with the oscillator, the FM station, which sometimes uh, inhibits us from really blasting out. You know, I got to drag WLIR along. Uh, It's part of our family here, although you know where my heart is. My heart is with WABC AM, and so I'm I'm an AM kind of guy, active-minded. But, you know. I know you are. It's in your heart and soul, and I'll tell you this. 
listen to me, and I'm telling you from my heart, you are WABC, and that morning show host does not stir the drink. You do. Boy, now, wait a second. Remember, I can't drink alcohol. Uh, used to be able to knock it out. Oh, Broadway Bill Lee. Got to tell you time. Oh, this, this is a great one. So uh, they held a surprise birthday for me at a club. And they had great music. And I'm dancing and I'm dancing and I'm dancing. And until the break of dawn, until about 4 o'clock, 4.30. And then I had to be over a good day early call New York, which I was on three mornings a week, generally from about 4.45 to about 4.55. And I had taken my shoes off because if you dance for many hours, your feet will swell up. I couldn't find my shoes. The club was closing. You know, it's like 4 in the morning. It's pouring cats and dogs outside. Can I say that, or will I upset Nancy? It's pouring cats and dogs. Where did did that term come from? Maybe somebody can tell me where the term, it's pouring cats and dogs outside. We say it, but we never really think. Where where did that statement come from? What does it mean? It's pouring cats and dogs. If cats and dogs were falling out of the sky, they'd be fighting one another. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, well, not quite. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a, a tiger there. The dogs would just be running in a different direction. So, my feet were swollen up. I had to be at uh, Channel Five for the four forty five hit. You're not there. That's it. See you later. Don't bother ever coming back. And so I ran through the rain. I am soaking wet. I come onto the set. They're asking me all kinds of questions. I'm trying to play it off straight. The water is dripping from my beret because this is a wool beret. And I pulled it off. And I never found my shoes. And I ended up having to take, like, these plastic bags, putting it around my uh, feet just like a homeless person until I could get back uh, to where I was staying and put on... uh, Forget what the hell it was. It was like uh, part sneaker, part shoe. Oh boy, that that was and the reason I probably couldn't find my uh, shoes at the time is I was half in the bag. Now that's before I was diagnosed with ileitis, colitis, and then chronic Crohn's disease. That's it. Can't drink any alcohol after that. A little, a little taste of. Uh, Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, Wild Irish Roads, Boom Farms, and I'd hit the floor. But, oh, boy, I was such a whirling dervish, I couldn't even find my shoes. Oh, we got to close. We got it. It's 4 o'clock. Oh, man. Guess I'm going to have to schlep out there in the rain. Anyway, let's go to Alfred, who's calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Alfred? The lead singer on the night was the drummer, Jerry Polsey, who was married to Valley's daughter. See that? You know who that was. Yeah, Steve from Manhattan. I can tell. Doesn't matter how many hours, how many hours, how many days I do on the radio. You could tell. You know, he he had that uh, sort of like that chortle in in his throat, right? Yeah, good. It was somewhat. He had me for like a few seconds. But you know, he's gonna try, try again. He knocks himself out. I don't know why somebody would continue to try to imitate 
a person that he's not, instead of just calling him, this is Steve from Manhattan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, right? Just get it out of his system. Before they come with a straight jacket, shoot him full of Thorazine, and then he can, oh, that's right, they don't do that any longer. Put you in Creedmoor, Mid-Hudson, Kings County. Man, I've been in some of those places, only like a third full, with all the emotionally disturbed persons, the mentally ill people roaming around in the streets, living in the subways and in the parks. You would think the inn is only one-third full, these psychiatric facilities. Most of them are run by the state of New York, especially Creedmoor, Kirby Psychiatric on Randall's Island. Got two-thirds space available, and you can't get a straight answer out of them. Oh, we're going to forge ahead. There's only two of us. I guess uh, everybody else decided to take off. The gold brick slackers, nor the wells. They don't appreciate uh, having a job at the number one news talk station in the nation. Doesn't matter. Broadway, Bill Lee, you've been doing this 40 years. I've been doing it 35 years. That's a collective 75 years. We will continue on, and nobody goes to sleep. I'm taking you to 6 o'clock in the morning. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Now, I'm a fellow with a heart of gold with the ways of a gentleman. I've been told the kind of a fellow that wouldn't even harm a flea. But if me and a certain character met, the guy that invented the cigarette, I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Of course, it ain't because I don't smoke myself, and I don't reckon they hinder your health. I've smoked them all my life, and I ain't dead yet. But nicotine slaves are all the same at a petting party or a poker game. Everything's got to stop while they smoke the cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you smoke yourself to death, tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you hate to make him wait. You've got to have another cigarette. In a game of chance the other night, old Dame Fortune was doing me right. The kings and queens just kept on coming around. I got a full and I bet it high, but my bluff didn't work on a certain guy. He just kept on raising and laying the money down. He'd raise me, I'd raise him. I sweated blood, you gotta sink or swim. He finally called, didn't raise the bet. I said, Ace is full, pal, how about you? He said, I'll tell you in just a minute or two, but right now, I just gotta have myself a cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you smoke yourself to death, tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you hates to make him weak. You've got to have another cigarette. This is a classic. Smoke that cigarette. And you know, it's interesting now that we got legal weed in New York. One of the nonprofits that got the license to sell it is a place called Housing Work. And it boasts that it loves drug users, but it puts his foot down when it comes to addicts puffing tobacco. So you can go into the front of the store and get your legal weed and puff, 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 pass. But they, like, go nuts when you try to smoke a cigarette. What's the difference? I mean, 
That's crazy. Anyway, the reason I bring all of this up is for a lot of the old timers there who grew up when cigarettes were commonly smoked in the house, smoked at work, smoked everywhere. Back in 1964, I was only 10 years old, and I remember the story on the uh, evening news. I think it was, uh, no, I didn't watch Walter Cronkite in our house. Uh, it was uh, uh, Brinkley, who was Chet Brinkley, and he'll come to me, the other guy on NBC. But I remember the story was the U.S. Surgeon General announced a definitive link between smoking and cancer. The Surgeon General was Luther Terry, and he knew his report was a bombshell. He intentionally chose to release it on January 11, 1964, Saturday, so as to limit the immediate effects on the stock market. It was on that date, on behalf of the U.S. government, Terry announced a definitive link between smoking and cancer. The first medical studies that raised serious concerns were published by the Brits in the late 1940s. American cigarette companies spent much of the next decade lobbying the government to keep smoking legal and advertising reduced levels of tar and nicotine in their products. 44% of Americans already believed smoking caused cancer by 1958, and a number of medical associations warned that tobacco use was linked with both lung and heart disease. Despite all this, nearly half of Americans smoked, and smoking was common in restaurants, bars, offices, and homes across the country. Dr. Terry, the Surgeon General, commissioned a report in 1962, and two years later he released the findings titled Smoking and Health, which stated a conclusive link between smoking and heart disease and lung cancer in men and women. Interesting. Because uh, with the changeover in the House of Representatives with McCarthy now, the Speaker of the House, by a bare minimum, I think it's three. And that includes, uh, <laughs> I don't know who I am, George Santos. They are now allowing smoking in the House again, in the offices, which I thought was outlawed in D.C. But then again, why would they allow staff members or even the Congress people themselves to smoke in the House of Representatives. So they rolled back the ban against smoking on Capitol Hill. And to me, that's kind of stupid. You know how many people that we've all known who needlessly died and horrible deaths because they were smokers? I mean, I'm sure in your families and amongst your friends, you knew some people smoking two, three close to four packs a day. You know, just the ones with puff, 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 puff. Remember John Boehner, Speaker of the House? He used two packs a day. The, the guy from Cincinnati, you know, the guy was always crying. Barack Obama himself would sneak out and play golf with John Boehner. He sucked as a golf player. It was the only place he could end, end up smoking Marlboro Reds because he would hook it and slice it. And then the Secret Service would go in with him to try to find the ball. And then he'd say, hey, give me a cigarette. And he'd smoke the cigarette. He'd go into the clubhouse after 18 holes. He'd, like, swab himself down because when he'd get back to the White House, Michelle, with her 24-inch pythons, would be ready to put it around his neck if she smelled any tobacco. He was a hardcore smoker. I remember seeing him in uh, Davenport, Iowa. 
He was talking to an audience of 800 in a gymnasium. He was running for the Democratic nomination. Uh, Joe Biden was running for the Democratic nomination. He had seven people attend uh, his performance in a library. Uh, And I had 87 people, uh, as I was talking about the Guardian Angels. I outdrew Joe Biden, but naturally didn't come anywhere near Near Barack Obama, I never met him personally, but I saw him from a distance as they were taking him from uh, one spot to another spot. And what did he have in his hand? Cigarette. You know, Michelle put those pythons around his neck. Oh, man. I could just see. I'm going to play golf. Guy sucked playing golf. Horrible at playing golf. He went out to golf to do one thing so he could get away from the White House and smoke out on the course. Anyway, let's go to the phones, one 800 Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Comac, Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hi, Curtis. I want to tell you about Lynn Samuels. I met her about 20 years ago, and I met yourself when you had the battle of the talk show host for WABC in the Hall of Science, you recall? Oh, yeah, that was a great gathering. It was packed, packed. Yes. In fact, it was snowing that night. I took you to the train station, and Lynn Samuels was fighting with us because, you know, she was in front of the cops. We were kidding around with her, but she didn't like it too much. But we we actually took her home to Woodside, and she turned out she loved us in the end. No, no, that's true. She was quite the adversary, uh, quite eccentric, quite difficult at times, but a great talk show host. Uh, I would say the greatest female talk show host that I've ever heard in my lifetime. Let the police search their apartment. Like Nazi Germany. Not if all they're doing is taking away guns. No way. What do you mean? You're going to have police come in looking in your drawers, looking through your personal belongings because mm-hmm. they're looking for guns? Yes. No. Yes. No, that... They you can... I, I'll have the policemen in my drawers any day if they would find <laughs> all the illegal guns in New York. No, no, no. That was classic Lynn Samuels there. Yes, it was. Well, I, I appreciate you remembering and sharing those memories, but I remember the battle of the talk show hosts. Uh, we were there, if I remember correctly, there was Lynch Samuels. It was me and Kuby. There was, I think, Jay Diamond. There was Sean Hannity. Oh, boy, yes. we had more. Brian Whitman. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun that night. A lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the people just keep coming, coming, coming in waves, waves. <laughs> that was well, great. We had a good time, and uh, yeah, really we enjoyed we, you that night. You were great that night. Yeah, well, that was we. That was like the first time we ventured away from the Rio Diner in Woodbridge, uh, New Jersey, which was uh, Bob Grant's haunt. I mean, yeah, he'd have hundreds of people, but uh, that's something that I would recommend our ownership that we do. We take it on the road. We go out to where our listeners are. They love that. Boy, I remember. Oh, we tangle. <laughs> we were a dysfunctional family then, and we're a dysfunctional family now. But the uh, fans, they couldn't get enough of that. They were there for hours, hours. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from New City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hello, Curtis. Yes, Mike. I have the answer to your question regarding Frankie Valley. And what is that? Well, the uh, the group was called the 
four lovers. The group was named after a bowling alley in Union, New Jersey. Now, Mike, you do realize that a gentleman uh, much earlier in the program in the previous hour who lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey, uh, t- told, right, told me that he never leaves, uh, never left uh, Union County, would not go into Essex County, wouldn't even go into Newark, wouldn't even go into Clifton in Passaic County. Uh, he nailed that. He, he was a bowler for uh, like a year or two, Mike. Uh, sorry about that. No, no, wait, Mike, you've been listening or you've been cheating on me? No, I've been listening, but I must have missed it, missed that portion. Now, were you program. scratching your belly at the time? Were you sitting on the porcelain palace? Uh, were you having yourself like <laughs> uh, two slices of pizza with pepperoni at the time? How did you miss that, Mike? I don't know. I, I was listening about Bob Grant, but you were, you were mentioning Bob Grant. I have a actually uh, have a booby prize for you if, if you're interested regarding Bob Grant's father. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let, let me try it. Let me try. Go for it. Okay, so from when I'm listening to Bob Grant, he mentioned his father had a band in Chicago. And what instrument did Bob Grant's father play? An oboe? No, not quite. Violin. Violin, wow. Violin. And he had a dance band in Chicago, and I was attracted to that because I worked with a famous band leader in New York who had also had a dance band. So that that kind of sparked my interest in Bob Grant's uh, father's group at that time. Yeah, well, he grew up there. A lot of people don't realize he grew up in Chicago, went to the University of uh, Illinois, Springfield, uh, went to uh, School of Journalism. Uh, at first, right. he was just a straight news guy. He was like our own Noam Layden, a straight news guy. Uh, and he was the news person for Joe Pine who did both uh, national radio and national TV. He was on fire. But you talk about smoking. He smoked about four packs of Chesterfield unfiltered every day. He died uh, early on with uh, lung cancer. And then all of a sudden they had all these stations, uh, radio stations. They were syndicated with Joe Pine. Television, he was like a fixture uh, on the weekend. And so they said to uh, Bob Grant, Bob, either you learn to develop an opinion and try to imitate Joe Pine, or we're all going to be unemployed. There were like 60 people who were employed. So he tried it. He didn't do well, but he he got the taste for it. And then he just kept getting better and better and better and became the king of talk radio. That's right. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate all the stories you tell about him, too. Oh, no, no, no. Look, I I wouldn't be on talk radio if not for Bob Grant. I know there's an entire generation, my generation, that were introduced to uh, really good talk radio by Bob Grant, and that's why they're stuck with it. Uh, Many of my colleagues here uh, will tell you straight up, whether it's Bill O'Reilly, he first started listening to Bob Grant. Uh, uh, Our own Mark Levin lived outside of Philadelphia Right. He first started listening to uh, Bob Grant out there at WWDB, Sean Hannity, Howard Stern. They right. all attribute their love of uh, talk radio to the fact that they developed their ability after listening to Bob Grant and being infected to the point where wherever they were, they had to turn the radio on 3 o'clock in the afternoon to hear his opening monologue. That's how good it was. Cut it out. Exactly. <laughs> I, I actually tried to call in last week when you mentioned about the uh, the 
impersonator for President Reagan, and I knew who that was. I had a problem with my phone, but I actually met Jay Diamond, too. He, he came to one of the clubs I was working at, and he's, uh, you know, hopefully he'll get back into the business, too. I haven't heard about him lately. Brilliant, brilliant talent. He could do yeah. voice imitations, Ronald Reagan. He did the best Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. Oh, yeah. He did Al Slim Shady Sharpton. And then you had Brian Whitman, who was from Staten right. Island, who was here. And he did Al Gore. He did Michael Jackson. He did an incredible number of voices. Can you imagine with both of them together? They could just do a Amazing. panoply of different voices. <laughs> it was a, I, I actually have a recording of him playing, uh, doing different voices, I, I guess, on the Bob Grant show many years ago, too. I still say that recording i have it no it's great mike in fact bob grant used to give everyone an opportunity he gave jay diamond an opportunity that's how he became a talk show host he gave brian whitman an opportunity brian whitman was delivering the staten island events in the afternoon and then would go home and would try to prank bob grant would call him up and try to prank him out and uh, uh he ended up meeting bob grant and bob grant gave him an opportunity to be on the radio there you go. That's that's the, the way it should be. Absolutely. Right. Everybody, everybody should not be afraid of talent developing. That's what makes for great talk radio. I guess some of our colleagues here say, oh, if anybody's any good and they substitute for me, you know, more, that may reflect poorly on me. Bob Grant didn't care. He said, oh, if you're better than me, I'll just stay on the cruise. I won't ever come <laughs> back. Oh, he loved the cruise, especially, you know, the buffet, extra bacon. I mean, he couldn't get enough of that. Cut it out. That's all right, Bob. You went away on eight cruises a year with the listeners. You were a schnorrer. You know, Frank Morano is uh, like minor league schnorrer compared to you, Bob. Cut it out. Anyway, let's go to Donna, who's calling from Freeport. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Donna. Hey, Curtis, you make me happy. How are you? Not good today because uh, we're, there's just me and Broadway Bill Lee. I'm here during the day. There's like 5,000 people. I don't know what they do here at WABC. I'm always asking, what does this person do? What is this? Oh, they're on the payroll. Here, we're doing, we're doing a program at night that goes all over the world. We got only two people here, me and Broadway Bill Lee. Well, I'm included in that, so that's three now. Oh, that's right, three. Three's a, three's a crowd. <laughs> well, I have a point to make. Um, I heard a few years ago that smoking one joint is enough uh, to add up to 10 cigarettes. Well, uh, I don't know if that's true or not true, but uh, it, it's still smoke. You're taking smoke into your lungs. It's not a good thing. So anybody yeah, who ever says, oh, well, you're inhaling smoke into your lungs, that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. Uh, cigarettes, they ha- you know, it has a lot of tar. It's got the nicotine. Uh, yeah, you know, and a friend of mine who smoked pot a lot, I don't, I'm not friends with him anymore, but um, he used to argue with me how it was an herb, that it was healthy for you to smoke pot, you know, because it's an herb. Well, that's why there are a lot of people who will not smoke it. They'll only take the edibles. So it could be, like, baked into a product. It could be a cookie. could be a gummy bear. It could be a lollipop. They'll have it that way with the THC uh, content, uh, but they won't smoke the product. 
But obviously, right. most people who use the product smoke the product. Oh, I don't know. I, I stay away from it. Yeah, well, we're not going to know what the effects are until they start doing some studies. Now that it's legal in so many parts of the United States, both for medical and recreational use, I'm sure we're going to get a whole bunch of studies about what, if any, uh, dangers exist to your lungs by inhaling the smoke. But obviously, anytime you inhale smoke, it's not a good thing. All right? I I think we can all agree on that. It's not a good thing. 1-800... Yeah, no, go ahead, Donna. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I told him, I said, you you think uh, pot's good for you? Why don't you try and quit and then come and talk to me? Did he ever quit? I, I lost contact with him. I don't think so. Uh, now, how far are you from the nautical mile in Freeport, Long Island, South Shore? I'm not in Freeport. I'm in Babylon. Oh, Babylon. Oh, yeah. I, 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 you see, my divining rod is off here, Donna. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were a Freeport gal. No. You know, with all the canals, and it's like a little Venice. Uh, have you ever been to Freeport? I've never been there, but I know people that used to live there. Yeah, you got to go visit. They have the canals. It's like a little Venice. Then they got the Nautical Mile. They got the clubs there, the restaurants, the bars. Very oh, nice. That sounds wonderful. Very nice. Because, you know, people in the North Shore of Long Island, they, they think that they're the best. You know, they, they don't want to go to Mid-Island, <laughs> and they don't want to go to South Shore, right? They do not. They oh, think they think South that the— Shore, completely against the North Shore. You know why? Because the women don't wear makeup in the North Shore. Well, that's because they want to be like and, wasps. I don't know. It's just the craziest thing. I don't know why they got something against that. No, no, they want to be like wasps, even though many of them are not wasps. But, you know, you associate being a wasp as having more money, more wealth, doing better in life. So that's what they try to pretend to be, but it doesn't work. You can still see. I tell you, you, you're not a wasp. I can tell you're Italian. I can tell you're Irish. I can tell you're a Jew. And they get all offended in the North Shore. Oh, we're in the North Shore. Meantime, they think that hillbillies live in the South Shore, Long Island, in trailer parks. <laughs> they do, right? Am I right or wrong, Donna? I haven't seen a trailer park in years. Exactly. But that's it. I don't know where they are. I used to broadcast with John Gambling. Remember John Gambling? Yeah. Rambling with gambling. So you had John Gambling, you had his father, you had his grandfather. They were all full of themselves. You know, if you said to them, hey, you want to come down to Freeport? South Shore, no, we don't even go to Mid-Island. No, no, heavens to Betsy, no. What do you want us to be down there with the hillbillies? I've been to Long Beach. Long Beach is lovely. And I've been to Lido Beach. Oh, they're beautiful. It's beautiful there. In oh fact, my God. be honest, Donna. What beach would you want to be on? Would you want to be on the Long Island Sound Beach where they have all rocks and there's like no waves? Or would you rather I be? Haven't been, I haven't been to on the Sacramento Coast Parkway all the way up to Sunken Meadow in probably 30 years. Oh, when I was a no. kid, when I was a kid, my Aunt Mary said, we're going to Sunken Meadow Park. We thought that was paradise coming from the city. They had the big park there. They had the trees. They had the picnic areas. They had the beach. We thought that was God's country. (laughs) Then I went there 10 years later, and I said, I got all excited over this. Over this? (laughs) Sunken Meadow Park? It's disgusting. 
thing, all those big boulders and everything sitting in the water. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what you get, Long Island Sound. You want real, really good water, you got to go to the Atlantic Ocean, you got to go to the South Shore. Uh, I know, I want to see the surfers, man. I, I want to check out the surfing. Exactly, exactly, Donna. But you got all those snobs on the North Shore. Oh, they walk around, they think they're so good. Oh, yes, we're North Shore, I said. How about come to the Mid-Island? No, we don't go to the Mid-Island. South Shore. No, we don't go there. Do you go to Southampton? Oh, wow. Or you say, do you go to Southampton? Well, yeah, we go out. We take the fork, you know, yeah, you know. know. But, no, they won't go to Mid-Island, and they won't go to uh, South Shore. Wow. Interesting. Well, do appreciate that. Take care of yourself, all right? Most definitely. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Marijuana is the flame. Heroin is the fuse. LSD is the bomb. And you know what the rest of that is. Uh, Reefer Madness. Anyway, let's go to Mike, uh, who's calling, uh, I guess, on I-95. Is that correct, Mike? Curtis, yes, it is correct. Um, Originally from Nassau County, I've spoken to you many times. And it's funny. uh, Actually, I'm six weeks in your rearview mirror. You're the end of March 1954. I'm May 11th. And uh, it's funny. Report, uh, I had a friend who lived on Guy Lombardo. Boulevard, and uh, you know he, he's one of my oldest friends. And I'll tell you this: um, I met Bernard McGurk at Long Beach Boardwalk, okay, many times, many times. And his daughter and, and my son were in the same graduating ceremony at Cortland. My son, wide receiver, she played volleyball. Hmm. And I'll tell you this, Curtis: I watched every minute of the mass that would have been uh, Bernard's 65th birthday, and we became friends. And I'll tell you this, too. Uh, through your urging, Curtis, the first time I went in 12 years, I went for my colonoscopy this past Monday. I'll get the results in, like, five days. Through your urging. And your words and Bo Deedle's words were, were, were so strong and others. But forget Cindy Rosenbaum, the narcissistic, you know, self-absorbed, you know, crocodile tears, uh, whatever. Um, but what you do on talk radio I first started listening to Bob Giganti, Bob Grant. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this, uh, Mike. Have you had your colonoscopy yet? I did. I had it this past Monday. Oh, the reason I say that, Mike, is because a real man would have two tests at the same time. An endoscopy, where they put the probe down your throat. And the colonoscopy, where they put the probe down south. And then they meet right in the middle. I did that once. You know, you have reflux. They give you an endoscopy to make sure everything's okay in your esophagus. And then they give you a colonoscopy. So the probe is going south-north. And when they give you an endoscopy, the probe is going north-south. And they meet right in the middle. You got to bear it. You got to be. You got to be manly. Get it done all at the same time, and don't go for two separate. Yeah, an endoscopy. Then you got to slip back for a colonoscopy. No, you tell them I want the endoscopy and colonoscopy at the same time. I want the probes to meet right in the center of my esophagus and my uh, uh, my colon, and I want them to like zit. Oh yeah, you get it over with. Two for the price of one. Although they charge you for both. <laughs> they charge you for both. 
Anyway, let's go to John, who's calling from uh, Maryland. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Yeah, good morning. Um, reason I'm calling, uh, uh, Tony Orlando's show on uh, Saturday nights has become appointment radio for me. And uh, I think I think he does a great show. He, he makes no bones about the fact that it's recorded. I don't think you could do a show like that live. Um but the uh, the question came up, why did Dawn split up? Well, I wanted that myself uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Tony had both Thelma Hopkins and Joyce Vincent, the two singers collectively known as Dawn, oh. on. And um, I did a lot of research on the internet, and I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at a uh, page from the Orlando Sentinel of March third, two thousand four, and the uh, it's an interview there with um, with Telma, and if you're looking for the answer, assuming this article is true, I think you'll find it. I, I don't want to repeat it here. Um, now let me let, me let me ask you yeah. a question, John. Uh, right. Both the women that made up the team Dawn, that were right. part of uh, the team of Tony Orlando and Dawn, were they both from right. East Harlem? I don't know. See, that's my understanding. But obviously, they're no longer with Tony Orlando. Uh, that show he does is with his brother. His brother uh, puts right. together the playlist, and then obviously Tony does the interviews and the segues in and out. It's a great, a great team. They they really have some dynamic uh, music. Yeah, um, but I mean. You know, after after Tony Orlando and Dawn broke up, uh, there were a couple of reunions. Uh, let me think. Let me see. Let me see if I find it. Um, well, I mean, uh, that yeah, w- that would meant yeah. it was not a hostile breakup, uh, as you've seen no, in some no. groups where they'll never get together no. in a month of Sundays. No. no, that was that was not that was not the reason. Um, and they apparently it says they had reformed in 1988 for a five-week tour that wound up lasting into 1993. Wow. So, you know, the research, you know, if you do on the internet and sound, I don't want, I don't want to repeat it here. It's, it's, it's not the most flattering news, but uh, no, no, re- hey, look, you, you can research about me. <laughs> You're not going to get the most flattering news from time to time. Oh, wow! I always wanted to know what happened with Dawn. I never got a chance to see uh, Dawn. I got a chance to see Tony Orlando in concert, but never Dawn. Pretty sure Dawn, both women. Yeah, I, I've been informed it's two women. I thought it was only one. We're from East Harlem. Pretty sure. But I stand to be corrected out there. one 800 That's one 800 wabc This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa.
know I remember this uh, song by Brian Adams out of old Canada day. He uh, had the experience that I had, that Sun Young Moon had of the Unification Church, obviously. That's a negative there. All three of us walked to Stanley Park in Vancouver, British Columbia, and it was a life-altering experience. There's no other way to describe walking through Stanley Park. It is amazing. As great as Central Park is, and my favorite is Prospect Park, and of course there's Van Cortland Park, and there's some other great parks in our tri-state area. Nothing. No park I've ever been in, including Rock Creek Park in Northwest Washington. Yeah, that's the song that the Blackbirds sang uh, sang about Rock Creek Park. It's comparable to Stanley Park. I don't know. There's something about the vibe, something as you walk. You commune with nature, and you're right in this urban sphere. and It's, like, amazing. Other than maybe Patterson, where the Great Falls are where you don't expect a major waterfall to be in the heart of this urban area, Patterson. Spokane, Washington, where similarly there's a uh, waterfall right in the center of the city in the park. But still, even with those waterfalls, it cannot compare Stanley Park in Vancouver. Life-altering experience. Brian Adams says it impacted his life. I tell you, it impacted my life. And Sun Young Moon claimed that he got the inspiration to create the Unification Church and the cult that destroyed so many lives. Ended up living up in Terrytown in Westchester, paid no taxes, ended up being tried for tax evasion. And when the U.S. attorneys cross-examined Sun Young Moon, they said, uh, where's the church? He says, you're looking at him. I am the church. Well, where's the money? He goes, I keep all the money because I'm the church. Madonna, my, this guy had chutzpah, had uh, huevos, had coulions. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Al, who's calling from Greenwich. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Hi, uh, thanks. How you doing, Curtis? And I bet it days, Al. Okay, listen. That uh, the two girls from Dawn, one was from, like, Detroit, and the other one was from Kentucky. So whether they lived in New York City, I'm not so sure, you know? Wow. So I struck out swinging there. One was from Detroit, one was from Kentucky. And somehow, I thought it was only one that was part of the team. Now it's been obviously proven to me that it was a team with Tony Orlando and I could have swore that they were from East Harlem. So, man, I am really off the mark on this. Not really. I mean, maybe they lived in East Harlem for a while. I mean, but they were born and raised out of state. You know what I'm saying? So, I will tell you this, uh, though. When they were teamed up with Tony Orlando and they had the variety show across America, that was a great variety show. Yeah, yeah it was. That was one uh, of, listen, one of the best. Drop some words on you and say hello and, and wish you the very best. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'll straighten me out there. Thought, hey, Broadway Billy, you didn't know nothing. You knew who got. You knew Bupkis. You're 40 years at WCBS-FM. You and Joe Corsi over there. And, and you didn't know where Dawn was from? In the meantime, I, I'm, I'm like a schmuck here. 
oh, I think they're from East Arlington. And then this guy straightens me out and says, oh, no, they're from Kentucky and Detroit. What, like, uh, uh, yeah, Diana Ross and the Supremes. Remember, there was the Beatles. There was the Rolling Stones. And there was Diana Ross and the Supremes. All three of those groups were the top sellers in their era. And I remember when I was organizing the Guardian Angels in Detroit, it's not a city of public housing projects. It's a city of private homes uh, and apartment buildings. No, They had like two public housing projects. One was a low rise. And the other one is where Diana Ross grew up, high rise. Wow. And you know uh, who the head of Motown was, all right? You know uh, uh, Gordy. He was a pimp. He was a pimp in Detroit. He was such a low-budget pimp. He would take the city bus to go check on his girls on the stroll uh, over in, uh, uh, where is that location now? Ah, It'll come to me. Ugh. There was a stroll there where all the girls, uh, the men, women, the frozen vegetables would uh, stride up and down. And uh, Barry Gordy, who was the guy who started Motown in Detroit, would take the city bus to check on his girls in the cash card. Cash card, that's where they were. Low budget, taking a city bus. You know, not a Cadillac, right? City of cars. <laughs> you know, that's what the freeway. No tolls, freeways. Think we could adopt that here in our tri-state area? Freeways, no tolls. It's like talking a different language. By the way, this date in history, extraordinarily important. I don't know why we don't give more attention to this. Thomas Paine published Common Sense. And in publishing this pamphlet, Common Sense... It set forth his arguments in favor of our independence against the Brits. Uh, I think we need it now with all this mishigash coming from so-called Prince Harry, Meghan, and the uh, biggest deadbeat welfare family in the world, the royal family. Anyway, although little used today, the pamphlets were an important medium for the spread of ideas in the 16th through the 19th centuries, originally published anonymously. Common Sense advocated independence for the American colonies from Britain and is considered one of the most influential pamphlets in American history, credited with uniting average citizens and political leaders behind the idea of independence. Common Sense played a remarkable role in transforming a colonial squabble into the American Revolution. I was never taught about Thomas Paine and Common Sense. Neither in Catholic school, neither in public school, not at uh, St. Matthew's, uh, the elementary school in East, on Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue, and Crown Heights, the Irish Josephite nuns. Nope, didn't teach me about Thomas Paine and Common Sense, nor at PS 114 or Builder C. Junior High School in Canarsie, nor the Jesuits uh, at Brooklyn Prep where they shined their boots on their backside in my senior year, 1972, kicked me to the curb and told me, Broadway Billy, don't look back. And I never did look back. It was my father who introduced me to the pamphlet, Common Sense by Thomas Paine. They don't teach this in school. In fact, I'd be very interested in talking to anybody, anybody, 
who uh, could could tell me that they actually learned about Thomas Paine's common sense in either public school or private school or parochial school. Let's go to Judy, who's calling from Chicago. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Judy. Yes, hi. Yes, Judy. Which part of Chicago are you calling from? Oh, no, I, I actually live in Westchester now, but I was born and raised in Chicago. Listen, what I want to know is, are the guardian angels active in Chicago? Because they, they've got they've to do something quick to get rid of the mayor there. Um, I hope they can maybe talk to the Latin kings that run uh, that run wild in Chicago. Maybe they can. Uh, oh, well, 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 I'll give you. I'll give you. Chicago is my second city, and yes, Judy, we do have guardian angels in Chi Town. That's where my dad is from. That's where the Polish side of my family is from. Originally, Forty Six and Rockwell on the South Side. Uh, we first started the guardian angels uh, in Chicago in Logan Square which used to be the big Puerto Rican area. They had uh, Roberto Clemente High School there. That's where the young, actually, that's where the Latin Kings uh, originally started. They didn't start here. They started in Chicago. And then it became uh, gentrified. So a lot of hipsters and millennials in there now. Uh, We operate over on the west side. West side is really, really bad. Uh, and over on the south side near 95th Street and the Little Village, that's where all the uh, Mexican gangbangers are. So it keeps us busy and on the CTA, uh, the city's uh, subway system there. And by the way, uh, the mayor there is, uh, I call her Beetlejuice. She asked the teachers to give credit to students for campaigning for her reelection. I mean, is that low? I mean, look. Politics is corrupt in every city, but it's the most corrupt in Chi-Town, the city of the Daly family that came out of Bridgeport. But she actually asked the teachers in the Chicago public school system to give credit to students who would come out and campaign for her because she's in the midst of a political campaign now for re-election. They would be foolish to re-elect her. I call her Beetlejuice, uh, Mayor Lightweight, a.k.a. Lightfoot. Um, you know, there's a guy named McCarthy who uh, regularly appears on the uh, 5 o'clock roundtable uh, discussion that John Katsimatidis has Monday through Fridays, uh, uh, gives uh, updates on what's happening in Chi-Town. He used to be number four in the NYPD when Rudy Giuliani was mayor. And then he was hired by Cory Booker to become the uh, police commissioner in Newark uh, when Cory Booker was always out of town and never in Newark. Uh, and then was hired to become the police superintendent uh, in Chicago. And boy, uh, he got a uh, he got a baptism quick in the crooked politics of the aldermen and the mayor in Chi-Town. But he's very knowledgeable. Very, I mean, it would be an extremely good situation. He ran for mayor the last time around, lost to uh, Beetlejuice uh, Lightfoot, or as I call a lightweight. Uh, but wish he would run again. I know he's... Uh, police commissioner in one of the towns around Chicago in the suburbs. Uh, But I spoke to him recently, not spoke to him, texted to him and suggested that he run again. Boy, they need to, I mean, this this mayor in Chicago is is a horror, as I call her, Beetlejuice. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It is uh, 
Let's go to Paul, who's calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Hi, Curtis. It's nice to talk, call in I, and appreciate all the extra work you did while Frank was on vacation. And yeah, well, I, I got to tell you, Paul, he's going to re- he regretted that when he left for vacation. He was the number one ratings guy here at WABC. He took so many vacations. He not only lost that title to Sid Rosenberg in the morning, but I zoomed right past him on the other side of midnight. I think he, I think he'll hesitate the next time uh, to take a vacation, Paul. Possibly. Well, I was calling about it at a song I was thinking about, and all these kids that, and criminals should be exposed to the song. It was the theme song from Beretta. Oh, they yeah. should be played on the buses in New York and in the, in the city. Now, which part of Beretta did you like? Did you like the bird he had or the pimp who would come up and give him information? Well, I barely remember that part, but the bird I liked. No, the cockatoo, white cockatoo, or is he? Now, do you think that Beretta killed his wife? Uh, That's really, I barely remember that whole thing, but... uh, well, you'd be you'd really be a sure. you'd be a great juror. You don't remember much of anything. <laughs> no, you no, you would no, be perfect on a jury. <laughs> uh, I don't remember anything. You see, they look for people like you on a jury. They need people who've been living in a cave for like ten years, so they they can get somebody to say, "I don't know what you're talking about." Good, you're on the jury. <laughs> Well, maybe the Gotties would like that. (laughs) By the way, I wonder, you think maybe he capped his his wife there? What do you think? Come on, let's be honest. Oh, boy. Well, I was thinking all these rats, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, if they want to get the job done, they say maybe they need to pass out rat traps and get people, if they can handle it, to start catching them and put a bounty on them or something. You're right. By the way, let me ask everybody else out there, what was your favorite uh, part of Beretta? Was it the bird that Beretta would feed? What was that? A cockatoo, I think. Or the pimp who would come up and give him information in the streets of San Francisco, right? Yeah, San Francisco. I think that was a Tenderloin, Lower Tenderloin, a Mission, uh, Sunnyvale. Petrero Hill, Petrero, Petrero Hill, Petrero Hill. That's where OJ was from. Oh, yeah, I grew up in the projects there. And when I was patrolling through the project, uh, yeah, OJ grew up in that apartment. And I said, did he Did he cut off people's heads then? Our number is 1 800 New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, when the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof. And your shoes get so hot, you wish your tired feet were fireproof. Down by the sea. 
Now, later on, we're going to talk global warming climate change. I wonder if there's a boardwalk left in Santa Cruz. California, you know, with the redwoods, Santa Cruz is so beautiful. A lot of uh, old burned-out hippies live there. But it's the home of uh, the redwoods, magnificent trees that go high in the sky. And uh, it's got the boardwalk there and the beach all along Highway 1, Carmel. You go right on down. Boy, that, that beach probably has been destroyed. Man, that weather is rough. And I know we got some folks calling up from Cali Cali uh, 24 hours ago. I'm hoping they'll chime in. Because, uh, man, California population 40 million. Double the population of New York. Just getting battered. Remember, with the seventh largest economy in the world, California, stand on its own. And really taking it on the chops. And that means we're taking it on the chops because that's one of the really key parts uh, of our American economy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to Dave calling from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Dave. Hello, Curtis. Two quick things. Verena, definitely ISIS wife. And Thomas Paine, you know, that he, he lived in New Rochelle for a long time, and they, they still have his house there like a little museum. Wow, that I did not know. Did you learn anything about Thomas Paine and his pamphlet, Common Sense, at all in school? No. I mean, is, I just, isn't this amazing that this little pamphlet, as my father explained, was given out to a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the people living in the British colonies, many of whom could not even read. They had to have somebody read it to them. But this was the stimulus for the independence of the American colonies. And we haven't even been we haven't been taught that. No, I agree. I agree. All at once was Nathan Hale. Yeah, that's right. Nathan Hale. And we know what happened to Nathan Hale. <laughs> they hung him. Hung them, uh, and then I have but one life to give for my country. You know where the statue? You know where the statue? You know where the statue of Nathan Hale is? Uh, If I had to guess, I would say New Haven, Connecticut. There may be one. I'll I'll check into that. But there's one right at City Hall in downtown Manhattan. Oh, okay. And I got the only reason I said that. I I know he went to Yale for a little while. Ah, I see. But I, I guarantee you this. If our Democratic Socialists of America, who are the majority of the uh, city council, ever figure out that Nathan Hale statue is right there in City Hall Park, uh, goodbye. They'll have it torn down. <laughs> they'll have it torn down. But no, no, that's uh, that's that's that to me. It's like how can you not teach about Thomas Paine and the pamphlet that was spread all throughout the colonies? which advocated the independence for the American colonies from Britain. I I agree 100%. And remember, to have possession of that pamphlet meant almost certain death. That meant you would be hung uh, on the nearest tree. There was no, like, trial, let's have... No, that's it. Well, what are you doing with this pamphlet? This advocates the overthrow of the king. Okay, hang him on that tree. People have no idea... It was that cut and dry. You were a rebel. No, no, I just have the pamphlet. A guy gave me the pamphlet. Oh, what are you doing with the pamphlet? 
It advocates doing away with British control of the colonies. So guess what? You got the pamphlet, Common Sense by Thomas Paine. We're going to hang you from a tree. Not even taught. Anybody out there taught about Thomas Paine and his pamphlet, Common Sense, since this is the anniversary of when he uh, when he printed it and then had it distributed throughout the colonies in 1776, without which we would not be the country we are today. Let's go, if we can, to... Uh, let's go to Ed in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ed. Hey, Curtis. Did you ever see the movie Miller's Crossing? Miller's Crossing. Part of it, not the whole thing. Albert Finney plays the head of the Irish mob. Mm. And he runs the city. The police chief, the mayor, report to him. Sid sees himself as a power broker above the mayor and above the chief of police. You need to go sit next to him and keep him under wraps. He's talented. He's got an amazing sports mind, and he suffers from excessive personality. But he needs, uh, he's like a skittish horse. He needs a firm hand to guide him. Well, you know, I like uh, the initial caller about an hour ago said, you should be like the big brother to Sid. Yeah, 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 I hear Leo. Yeah, and I, I think that makes sense because I've got about 12 years on him. I've been in talk radio a little longer than him, about 35 years. He's been in it about 30 years. And he does respect me, whereas I know he does not respect others in this business because they haven't made their bones. You know, they were TV guys and TV gals who all of a sudden decide to do uh, radio on the side. He calls Chad Lopez my boy. I mean, that's his boss. <laughs> he calls Katsimatid, he's a billionaire, my buddy. Like he's the owner of the he's the owner of like how many businesses like ten? Oh God, more than we can count on our fingers and toes. Yeah, and now he's going into the real estate business. Yeah, no, he's already in the real estate business. Uh, like every time I'm in an area, say, hey, you know, you, John Katzmatidis uh, owns that property there, so he's been involved in real estate for many, many years, many, many yeah, years. Well, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Not only smart, but he came up with nothing. He had two nickels to rub together in his pocket. He grew up in Harlem. His father was bussing tables. Uh, He had an opportunity to go to West Point. He decided he would not take uh, the commission to West Point. Uh, He wanted to stay home. He's the only son. Uh, And then he started uh, very uh, frugally and very uh, small, you know, little vegetable stand, little grocery store. And then... Well, you know the rest of the story from there. You know, yeah, I, he's got a global reach too. I remember about a year ago when Bernie was still alive, he was subbing for Sid, and something was going on, and he got Nigel Farage on the phone. Oh no, he gets everybody, and in fact, yeah. if yeah. if people don't respond to him, he gets very disappointed because he goes, "They're not responding to me. Gee, they want me to do favors for them. The least they can do is return the call." And he's got, oh, he's got contacts all over the world. Uh, The other week when we were substituting for uh, Sid Rosenberg during that Christmas week, he was telling a story on the air how he used to have supermarkets down in Buenos Aires. So he's he's had a global reach. Plus, uh, he's not only an owner-operator, he's a great talk show host in a few hours. 
uh, he'll on he'll have on newsmakers from eight to, to ten in the morning that will all of a sudden uh, be up on the New York Post website or other news sites. They'll go viral. We'll be talking about it all day Sunday because, you know, I'm on from 3 to 5. Then so nice, I come back and do it twice, 9 to 11. And then I finish up my Quinella on the weekends uh, with the Animal Welfare Hour with my animal rescuer wife, Nancy, who's recovering from uh, having been blind for a few days. But no, she's up in adamant. She's going to do the Animal Welfare Hour with me in a few uh, few hours. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. the great theme song for the TV series Batman. And the reason we're playing that is that this week actually was the anniversary when uh, Batman debuted on the television on January 12th of 1966. And boy, I remember running home and wanting to watch Batman on TV. It was great. In fact, if I remember correctly, let's see. So you had Adam West and Burt Ward. By the way, whatever happened to Robin, right? I always thought there was like a weird kind of relationship. You know, Robin, I don't know. Adam West, maybe a pedophile. Who knew? And then you had uh, Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith, you know, from Rocky. Yeah, that was Burgess. He was the Penguin. Frank Gorshin, he was great. Eartha Kitt. Vincent Price, if I remember correctly. Otto Preminger, I remember seeing Otto Preminger there. Eli Wallach, Cliff Robertson. Man, I had a lot of A-plus rated actors and actresses in what became a cult classic. There's no doubt about that. But I'd love to find out from some of you what the hell ever happened to Robin. I mean, really, seriously. And if I remember correctly, when I was watching Batman, it aired twice a week on consecutive nights, which is like you almost never heard of that. Am I correct on that? It aired twice a week on consecutive nights. But anyway, let's go to Bruce, who's calling all the way from Cali, Cali, California. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Bruce. Hey, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Which part of uh, California uh, California calling from, Bruce? North Lake Tahoe, California. All right. And tell us, what are the conditions there? It's snowing. It's probably down to an inch an hour now. And uh, have have you been hit with really inclement weather up your way? 
Oh, yeah. This uh, jet stream, this moisture from south of Hawaii, it gets swept up into the atmosphere. The upper atmosphere brings it up to northern California, up to the west coast of the U.S., and I'd say about 150 miles before the coast, it it just kind of fans out tremendous amounts of water. It's like having a a jet hose in the sky pumping out snow. But that's what California has needed, the snowpack, right, in order for it to melt, and then you get the desperately needed water for the drought that has really uh, impaired uh, California for years. Yeah, many inches of rain, many inches of filling up the reservoirs and uh, parched areas, but there's just so much water now. It's destroying. There's 25-foot waves in some areas hitting the coast, and it's just destroying the coast. Now, question, uh, Bruce, uh, have you ever traveled down into the valley into, uh, into Reno? Oh, sure. Now, explain this phenomenon to me. I've been in Reno, then all of a sudden we go up the mountains in order to get to Lake Tahoe. Halfway up, you got to put the chains on. It's like ice, it's snow, it's sleet. How does that weather change so dramatically from being down in the valley in Reno to suddenly up in the hills and now you got chains on your your your, your tires or you'll just spin out. That's right, exactly as you explain it. This, the elevations here, Reno's about 4,400 feet, and uh, when you get up to Tahoe, you're about 5,400 feet. Uh, passes are about 65,000, 7,000 feet. So as you go up in elevation, you get more and more water, more and more snow. In Mammoth, California, which is south of Tahoe, they have 450-inch base on a ski resort at Mammoth Mountain. Wow. Now, question, most of the folks who come up to Lake Tahoe, would you say they're coming in from Sacramento and San Francisco? A lot of people come up from California. They hear about the snow. Some have never seen the snow. They want to get into the snow, and they get into big problems. Uh, in terms of what? Well, they come out here with uh, in the middle of these road conditions. They'll get off on side roads, get stuck. They'll try to get a hotel room because they can't travel when the roads are literally, literally shut down and there's no rooms available. Uh, after two or three days when the road the passes are closed, there's no foods at the small delis and the restaurants. and It gets pretty bad. Now, why would you say that people choose to come to Lake Tahoe to go to the hotels and casinos there as, let's say, opposed to going to Vegas or down in the Valley in Reno or other places because there's legal gambling everywhere now? There are casinos everywhere in California coming up to the mountains, so they don't have to come up here. Uh, Reno's hurt a big deal about this. by this. At one time, Reno was a big gambling place. Uh, Bill Hara uh, in the mid-60s, well, actually in the 40s, he started a gambling hall, and uh, that grew into a big empire. 
And uh, they've closed those facilities now, and they went out to sale, and some are being repurposed. But there's just, it's not like that used to be where you would come up to this town on weekends, and uh, there would be just loads of people walking up and down the streets, winter and summer. Now, would you would you say that where you are in Lake Tahoe, it's uh, stabilized from its heyday, or it's gone downhill? Um, it's become a paradise of the wealthy. A lot of the money from California has come up to the lake. Uh, in Reno, people sell their properties in California and come up here and buy two or three when they come here. Um, it's getting harder to find a reasonably priced house now. Few and few, a lot less cowboys and a lot more uh, wealthy entrepreneurs coming up from California. Yeah, I remember uh, it was in the early 60s. Uh, I became fascinated with the area because I know Frank Sinatra Jr. Uh, was entertaining there, and that's where he got kidnapped. I think he got kidnapped right out of one of the hotels there. And, uh, That's true. No, Frank but, Sinatra was very close to Bill Hara. Both Frank and his son played long stints at the casinos in Reno and North Lake Tahoe. Mm. No, it's got a tremendous history. Well, look, um, as goes California, goes the United States. You, uh, you guys are getting hit hard. I, I, I believe in climate change and global warming. There are a lot of our listeners who don't. But I think what we see going on now in California from north to south, the coast getting battered, uh, is uh, a reflection of the severe changes that have taken place in the atmosphere. Lake Tahoe is an extinct volcano. You've been here. Wow, a volcano. I had no idea. Yeah, you drop down into the basin. Uh, You've seen how it rings the lake. No, no, I've only passed by. I didn't know that there was a a volcano. Wow. It's an extinct volcano. It goes down. uh, Gee, I think the first time they ever got an accurate measurement, it goes down uh, not quite as far as Prater Lake, about uh, almost 2,400 feet, 2,500 feet, at the very bottom. Well, I tell you what, Bruce, I appreciate you giving us the input uh, One positive thing that may come out of all of this when all is said and done is that finally, finally, California may have some water. Because with all the produce they produce for the United States and the world, it's like America's breadbasket in many, for many reasons. You go from that whole Fresno area down to Gilroy, the garlic capital the lettuce, everything, everything that's grown there with no water. It was becoming increasingly more difficult. I don't know uh, what the floods have done to the farmland. Uh, I'm sure they've taken the topsoil off, which is uh, not good for the planting season. Uh, But hopefully uh, at least the reservoirs get filled up, uh, the rivers get filled up because, man, it was like, it's like being in the Middle East in some parts of uh, California, which used to be green and had plenty of water. And again, I believe it's because of global warming and climate change. Let's go to uh, Larry, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Curtis, this is a very tough call to make because the subject I'm bringing up, 
I wanted to bring up with Frank Morano, but unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, I got detoured when he did a, a show about, uh, uh, yeah, Atlantic City for like three hours. <sighs> Good night, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's about UFOs, Curtis. Hmm. I tried to get on the air last week, Curtis, over 50 years ago, honest to God, and I was willing to tell Frank I will take a polygraph test if I'm lying or exaggerating. If I fail, I will donate a large sum of money to the charity of Frank's choice. Mm. But I hung up because I'm not going to be kept on. I witnessed myself and a friend a UFO sighting. We were, you and I are the same age. I'm a couple of months older than you. I'm 69 now. It was, it was the middle of the 60s. I'm about 11 or 12 years old. My buddy is two years older than me. We live, we live in Massapequa on Long Island in front of my parents' house, and all of a sudden, it's early, it's early evening, Curtis, so help me God. Sure. Two spherical objects coming down, and I'm not talking 30, 40, 50,000 feet up. I'm talking about way, way up. Two spherical objects in tandem coming down on an angle so help me God, it, it was just the most incredible thing we ever saw. Coming down on an angle, it took about 30 seconds to a minute. They reached a certain point, and then they made a right turn. At that point, one object was above the, ob the other object, mm. and they went across. So help me God, Curse, they went across the sky or the atmosphere, where, whatever you want to call it. We don't know. That was about another 30 seconds to a minute. And then the most amazing thing, they stopped dead. Curtis, they stopped dead in their tracks. These two objects were now hovering above each other, and they were stopped dead for about 30 seconds and then as quickly as they shot from left to right, they went back from right to left. Another 30 seconds to a minute. And then on an angle, again, from left to right. So help me God. And up into the atmosphere, never to be seen again. We, we as young little kids, we made, we made an agreement between each other, nobody was going to believe us. We're young little kids. They're going to call us knuckleheads. I mean, just what are you guys pulling? We made an agreement. We would never talk about this with anybody else. I think we're ahead of our time and as far as intellect. We're pretty good. We never talked about it except between us. Mm. I haven't talked about this. With all the shows that uh, Frank does on UFOs, I put this, I put that moment away in my memory closet for over 50 years, and I just recently brought it out. 
I don't know what I saw. We saw, we, no question, we saw UFOs. The only question was mid-60s, hot and heavy, NASA, space. Was it, was it, from an, were they from another planet? Or was it something that NASA was doing? I mean, it was so far up. I mean, they weren't above Massapequa. They could have been, look, Massapequa was not that far from, uh, from Jones Beach and, and the Atlantic Ocean. They could, have been, they could have been thousands of miles away to this day, never talked about it until right now. Mm. I would love, I would give anything to have an expert get on the air, your show, anybody's show, and tell us what we saw. Now, uh, the uh, were they moving in a direction, though, further out uh, as you go east uh, towards Plum Island? Say that again. Uh, were they moving further out east uh, from what you could tell? Because, you know, there's been uh, reported activity around Plum Island. Curtis, we don't know because this was not in, 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 in up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane of Superman. No, this was up in the stratosphere. Mm. This was up in space. Um, I can only tell you. They were in tandem. They were the only thing I the only thing I don't remember is the actual shape. Were they completely round? Were they were they slightly oval? They came down on an angle, right to left. They went then straight ahead from left to right, stopped dead, went back to the left, and went back up into the sky. I can't tell you anything more. All I know is we saw unidentified flying objects. The only question is, is there an explanation from some experts out there to what we saw? And we never talked about it with anybody. I know. Well, that's, that's why we're here. We're here for situations just like this. Um, when you get a chance, uh, if you could get his information, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, since Frank uh, apparently didn't have time for Larry because he was uh, snoring away about Atlantic City, as Larry had mentioned, for two, three hours. I don't quite understand that, especially with all the casinos that are out there now and those that will soon be uh, downstate here where there may be three available licenses. I don't get that at all, but that's uh, Frank Morano's shtick. And, uh, but, uh, sounded very real to me what Larry was relating to all of us of what he had seen as a youngster. Our number is 1 800 848 9222. Let's go to Robert, uh, who's calling from Manhattan. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, uh, Robert. Oh, Curtis. Yes, um, Robert. I was reading. It's an audio book, and it had a big article about you and um, the gang's movie that you and the Guardian Angels protested. Yeah, that was uh, – now, there were two. So uh, the initial, which became a cult classic, The Warriors, or was it the uh, the movie Colors in Los Angeles? Which one had uh, the director of Easy Rider in it? 
Oh, uh, yeah, 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 that's, uh, that was Jerry Colors. Cowper. Yeah, that was Colors. That was with Sean Penn as the cop. And uh, I believe it was Dennis Hopper uh, in that film. That is correct. Uh, that was Colors. That film did, 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 did pretty well, didn't it? Well, it, uh, it was supposed to uh, project gangs in Los Angeles in a negative way, but it really didn't. It got people hyped up to join uh, about Bloods and Crips. It showed in slow motion how you did a drive-by shooting from beginning to end. It was almost like a how-to for gangbangers. And it really glorified them because it had a soundtrack that was done by uh, Ice Cube or maybe it was Ice Tray, Ice T, one of those ices. Uh, and they had a scene there. I'll never forget it. One of the uh, Crips commits a crime and he's entering L.A. County Jail and they have it divided up according to gang. You know, Bloods on one side, Crips on the other side because they are natural enemies. And this guy is just high-fiving it as he gets in. All the Crips are coming around treating him as if he is uh, the prodigal son. So I just felt it uh, really romanticized gangs, and it created even more problems uh, than the cops already had in uh, L.A. County and L.A. City dealing with all the gangbangers. But you knew that a lot of the gang members were in the movie. Yeah. No, they used real-life gang members in the movie. Uh, That was the other thing. Uh, Now it's like you're putting these gangbangers on a pedestal, you're giving them fame, you're giving them attention, you're giving them props. But now it's much worse. Um, actually, it's leveled off a bit in L.A. Uh, the big problem they have in uh, L.A. now is that the uh, relative uh, of the woman who had helped start uh, Black Lives Matter, who uh, turned that organization into big, large mansions, A teacher who was visiting from Washington, D.C., was down in the Venice area, West L.A., uh, and the cops stopped him in a traffic stop. I don't know if it was a fender bender. I don't know what all the details are. But they tasered him multiple times as a result of all the tasering by the LAPD. On the way to the hospital, he expired from a heart attack. And now, so all of a sudden, uh, Black Lives uh, Matter, which uh, had been uh, quiet of late because they had turned all their resource and all the monies they got uh, uh, into big, large mansions, uh, they're trying to mobilize and hit the streets in L.A. to protest the death uh, of what they said was uh, the innocent teacher who happens to be the relative of one of the uh, three women that founded Black Lives Matter, which, again, the acronym stands for big, large mansions. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go from uh, Robert uh, to uh, Kenny. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kenny. Hey, hey, Curtis, uh, you know, I know you like to make fun of your your boy, uh, Frank Marano, because he talks about UFOs. But uh, that guy who just called in with the orb thing made me want to call in and tell you something. I don't know if you know... um, there's this thing called a UAP report that the uh, Director of National Intelligence, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, they put out quarterly now. Congress is asking them to put out a report on these things called UAPs, which stands for Unidentified um, Aerial Phenomena, which is another way of saying UFOs. You've heard of this? Yep. There's been a lot of attention to it recently, and the Republicans who are in charge of the House say that they're going to ask that some of those... uh, files be declassified and uh, publicized. Yeah, this is no 
about you know, the, the most recent report came out about two days ago, and in the report it says a lot of them they they know what it is, but there's like at least 171 of them, which has gone up from the last report from like 141, that they they said basically they said, and I quote. The UAPs are moving in an unusual flight characteristic, and they don't fit any normal, explainable UAP categories. So there's like 171 now that they say they're moving in ways that is just not normal. They use the words unusual flight characteristics, and it doesn't fit in, in into any normal explanation of, of a normal UAP object that they know of. So, you know, they're saying... Without saying it, hey, this is not a balloon, it's not a plane, it's not a classified thing. It's none of the stuff that we can figure out. Without saying it's nothing that we can figure out, what else is left? But the government is actually saying it now, and I think they're slowly trying to get people used to this. It's coming out with each report. They're getting it pretty soon by the next report, whatever. Like you're saying, Congress wants them to come clean. This, they've been lying about this for decades, and people are laughing about it. They're slowly found, this stuff is real. It really, really is real. Oh, I'm not questioning it. Uh, I've been a believer. Um, the government I don't trust, uh, as you know. I don't trust Democrats. I don't trust Republicans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there is so much. Uh, you know, we talk about Trump having classified information, Biden having classified information. They classify everything. I mean, it's ridiculous. The amount you, you can't laugh at your boy Frank anymore. I mean, you, you make fun of him about UFOs, but you got to tell the people the truth. You believe in it too, so you yeah. Know, no, no, no. Frank is an expert on that. In fact, our, our owner operator, John Katzmatidis, he's another expert on that. They both of them. Yeah, both of them. I would say are. Uh, at the top of what I would call the radio chart of those who actually follow UFOs, unidentified flying objects, reports of it, uh, read a lot of the uh, information that is being released not only by our government but other governments and by our military agencies. So, yeah, both of them are well ahead of me. I mean, Frank is the expert here at WABC, but John Katzmatidis himself uh, has a wealth of information uh, about it, Kenny. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Back in 1966 this week, the Batman series focused on Batman and Robin as they defend uh, Gotham City from its various criminals. And uh, they were living their alter egos through millionaire Bruce Wayne and his war, Dick Grayson. And I got to say, uh, Robin, whatever happened to Robin? That, that was a weird relationship with uh, Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman. Very weird I think a little pedophile action there, if you ask me. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lucy, uh, who's calling. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Lucy. Hi, hi Curtis. The last I heard, uh, Burt Wood was interviewed on radio some time ago. He and his wife run an animal search, uh, an animal sanctuary. Wow. So maybe your wife knows about that. Well, I got to find out about that. But I yes. noticed that when they began doing movies, 
It's almost as if about uh, Batman that Robin disappeared. What the hell happened to Robin? Yeah, I guess he's just in, uh, you know, civilian life now. <laughs> right, but uh, yeah. let's face yeah. it, uh, a little unusual relationship, an adult male there, right? The yeah. millionaire Bruce Wayne and his boy, Robin. I mean, come on. That's, uh, hey, hey, nowadays we, we'd call that pedophilia, right? Yes. You know, they use um, Adam West's voice. They got permission from his family. Ah, Lucy, Lucy, you got to call back. Uh, you're disconnecting there. Wow. Maybe it was the powers to be, the fact that I would call Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, a pedophile. Because whatever happened? Robin, right? Robin was in the TV series, and if I remember correctly, they used to play the TV series, at least in the beginning, twice a week on consecutive nights, which was like unheard of. Unheard of. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Suzanne, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Suzanne. Hi, Curtis. Good morning. I would love to tell you this story that I haven't shared with anyone about what I saw several years ago walking my dog at night. So I put the puppy on the leash. I walked down the street. There's a school at the end of my block. Dark night, clear night, stars in the sky. When I turn the corner by the school, I go into the school uh, yard, football field baseball field, big open area. And where I live in Bergen County, um, the planes come over. You can see them go over. They're heading towards LaGuardia. They're going around towards Newark. So I'm familiar with the night sky. I turn the corner with the pup. I'm heading up into the field. And what catches my eye in the sky is this outline, perfect outline, of a triangle, cannot see anything but this thin orange glow around this massive triangle. And I stood there for a moment, and I'm looking at the sky. I'm going, it's not a plane. Um, it's not coming in in the right way. And it's totally still in the sky, and it's massive. I was trying to relate the size of this thing to the football field in front of me. And it was almost as long as the football field. Mm. And standing there with the dog, and I'm looking at it, trying to think, what is this? Is it an anomaly? Is it something in the sky at night? Perfect triangle. And then when I said, I'm going to be abducted, this thing started to move silently, absolutely silent, no noise started to move slowly and head east. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see another one come. They join up together, and in a split second, they were gone. Mm. I called the police, and I said, I haven't been drinking. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Has anyone called this in? And they said, uh, no, ma'am, but I know what I saw. Yeah. Did you relate that to anybody else, uh, Suzanne? No, <laughs> because um, 
for what I do for a living, I, people would think I was crazy. Yeah. I'm in there. And I really wanted to call it into someone or someplace, but I didn't know where to do that. Now, why do you think that the government has created this uh, mindset that if you see something that is so real to you that have as all the manifestations of being a UFO, an extraterrestrial uh, object or a person, and uh, it, you can almost feel it, touch it, uh, you, you could sense it, everything about it tells you it's real, and then you're afraid to come forward because you think that society itself will box you off as being a crazy person. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I've been watching, um, I'm up late at night, and um, I watch on TV the ancient aliens on the History Channel. And to me, there is a tremendous amount of proof that makes it so obvious over the the centuries and the thousands of years that uh, there have been people here before that were extraterrestrials. Um, because of um, the way that um, um, structures were built, there was no technology, no ability to do what has been done. And when you put the pieces together and you really think about it logically, there had to be an intervention from someone from an advanced civilization at that point in time. And I, 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 just believe they're getting ready to come back as well. You hear that now in these shows, and I know there's entertainment value there, but when you look at it all, it just seems like, yeah, I think it's uh, it's about to happen. When I was a little child in um, the 60s, I remember my parents and the neighbors outside watching the night sky in the summer, and they saw these lights in the sky that were moving in odd patterns. And even then, I was fascinated by it because I saw it as well, and it was real. Mm. Um, But I think they're coming back. I really do. Well, Suzanne, if you can, please be on point. Uh, If you uh, ever come across them again, uh, feel free to call here because uh, we will take it seriously. If uh, there is enough information, we will try to follow up on them and also put together patterns of other sightings to see if it's uh, sending off any particular message to all of us who uh, at from time to time are confronted by these things. Oh, yeah, they're real. And our government does not want us to know anything about it. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Like with Rocket J, Squirrel here, and Bullwinkle, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. It's just me and you. I guess nobody else wanted to come to work. I, I walk around here, the studios at WABC by day. There's like 50,000 people here. I'm wondering, what the hell do all these people do? 
And all we got is two here, but we're going to make it work because you're a veteran, Bill Lee, 40 years at WCBS-FM with Joe Causey and the recent retired Scott Shannon in the mornings. And then you uh, devote your weekends to WABC, the AM, as opposed to the FM. You work on uh, five days a week. And, of course, there's yours truly, Curtis Leewood, who if uh, I got to go back to back, belly to belly by myself, I'm ready to do it. Where the hell did all of our people go? Doesn't matter. We're going to forge on. Let's go to Bill, who's calling from Morristown. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bill. All right, Curtis. How are you? Uh, I got to tell you, about two years ago, Frank had uh, Bert, whatever the hell his name is, Bert Ward, maybe? He had the guy on his show, and I called in and spoke with him. He 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 has a special brand of dog and cat food. He he swears he's got documentation that his dogs and cats live to be 26, 28, 30 years old. And we're talking Great Danes. We're talking I, I, it was an unbelievable story. I actually ordered some of his pet food for for, for a dog. Now I have cats too, but um so, I don't know if you could dig up the tape, but 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 Frank has had him on. He's a very inter- interesting guy, very educated guy. Oh, no, no, I understand the person who played Robin, uh, Burt Ward, in the uh, series that we all grew up with uh, after school, the TV program. But I'm talking about what happened to the character Robin. Oh, who who the hell knows? Right, was a a key in the TV series, and you don't see them in any of the many Batman movies that have been made. Understood. I I understood. And I I just want to segue and throw one thing out. Avery, you guys have you guys have me crying every night. But Avery, I don't want to knock him because he's great. But he missed something this week because one night Frank, some someone called about sports or the Giants or something this week, and <laughs> Frank threw out a line. He said, "Oh, I know. I, I've done my fair share of coaching. I've coached sports a lot in my life." I almost fell off the chair. I, I was I was hoping you and Avery would catch that, but wow. uh, you, you missed it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Frank is claiming that all of a sudden he's Vince Lombardi. I swear to God, I swear my hand to God, pull the tape. He, he said, "Oh, I've done my share of coaching." Oh no, no, we're, I, we're definitely going to do that because, as you know, uh, usually on Sunday mornings at four o'clock in the morning, we do the. Uh, yeah, the Frank yeah. Morano rap, but because Avery is on special assignment, I've been told, hush, hush, mush, mush. Uh, we did it yesterday instead, 24 right, hours I, ago. But you're right. We didn't have that that nugget, that jewel, that pearl. It was. I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday. I think it was in the middle of the week. It was Tuesday or Wednesday. But I, am, I, 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 I promise you, uh, I almost fell off the chair. Frank Morano, coach? What, what, uh, it's exactly a real yeah, Tom Landry, right? Coaching. Oh my God! I, I don't know what he coached. I don't know what he coached. I, you know, I, I don't know what he croquet. I don't know what he was talking about. But he came out of the closet recently. There is no way that Frank Morano was a coach of anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, he said it. Well, he's always I'm talking about you. his very dear friend, Coach. Right? He keeps referring to a a best friend of his named Coach. Right? He has. I've heard that. Yeah. You don't think? No, he said. No, you guys. I don't want you guys to waste all your time, but I'm telling you, he said, I've done my fair share of coaching. 
I, uh, I, 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 I thought of you guys immediately. I got to tell you, boy, he was uh, pull, uh, pulling your chain and chewing the shorts of the audience on that one. Frank Morano, a coach of what? I don't know. What, a croquet team? That's what I said. Lawn bowling? There is no way Frank could coach anything. I'm, it, it's there, and I know you. I know you guys will find it. I promise you. No, no, definitely. I, I appreciate it. That's why I tell everybody they got to be listening as much as is humanly possible because I need them to eat the Parmesan cheese and rat out not just uh, Frank. Uh, who does the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. But Sid Rosenberg in the mornings, who's on from 6 to 10, Monday through Fridays. I need people to rat these people out so that I can then (laughs) confront them or turn around their own words that they can't deny once we have it on tape. Oh, yeah. And I want to throw one thing. I don't mean to. Sure, sure. When I was a young guy, early 80s, I rode the 3-7 and the 7 uh, train, 3 and the 7. Those two trains I had to ride at night, 17 years old. And I swear to God, I, I, and I, I, be, I went into law enforcement later in my life, but I, I used to look for you guys because I was scared out of my mind early, uh, late at night after midnight on those trains. And I can't ever thank you guys enough. I mean it. Oh, no, no. It's the least we could do for this uh, city that we love. Uh, we, along with Rudy Giuliani, helped bring this city back. There's no doubt about it. When he got elected in 1992 and sworn into office in 1993, he gave New York City a badly needed colonic. He uh, structured the police department. We no longer had three separate units, a housing uh, police department, a transit police department, and the NYPD. He uh, uniformed them, put special emphasis on the trains, and worked in cooperation with us, whereas prior to that, uh, we were getting arrested all the time by the transit cops, the housing cops, the city cops. Uh, that's why when I was running for mayor, uh, I had a good belly laugh at all the candidates, regardless of what positions they were running uh, for, talking about as if they were experts on Rikers Island. None of them had been locked up on Rikers Island. I mean, uh, there, there was a dormitory. They always used to put me in there and lose my paperwork. And then, oh, well, uh, the judge will see you in three days. What are you talking about three days? Aren't I entitled to a swift arraignment? We lost your paperwork. You mean I got to get in with those mutts and skells who are looking to give me a beat down? There's 40 of them and only one of me. Don't worry about it, Sleever. You wouldn't be in this situation if you didn't keep opening up your big mouth. Feet don't fail me now. I go back in that dormitory and I'd have to start swinging and winging. Yeah, it was bad. Then at times they put me in the Bing, which was uh, solitary confinement. Other times they put me in Punk City protective custody because uh, the inmates, or what do we call them now, incarcerated persons, God forbid we call them inmates, Kathy Crimewave Hoko will probably have me arrested and charge me with uh, defamatory references. But anyway... Uh, They put me in Punk City protective custody because the inmate uh, population was ready to bum rush me. And it sounded like a scene right out of Batman, that's for sure. Anyway, let's go to Robert in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hi, uh, 
Yes, Robin. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. You wanted to know about Batman and Robin. Okay, first of all, the reason that it, the uh, program was on twice a week and the way they had it structured, it was on Wednesdays and Thursday nights, 7.30. Correct. Each first episode ended in a cliffhanger, like in the old serials. Batman and Robin would be, you know, in a crusher, or would, would they be with some villain would be trying to do them in, and so of course they wanted to bring you back the next night. They would say, "Tune in tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel." So they kept you bring, they, 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 you know, they, they, they brought you back. A couple of quick things, you know, there were two actors who played the Riddler. One was Frank Gorshin, and in one or two episodes, the second actor was the man who played Gomez Adams on the Adams Family. Uh-huh. The woman who was Morticia Adams was Carolyn Jones. She played Marcia, Queen of Diamonds. Now, you mentioned uh, some of the other actors. Um, Vincent Price played Egghead. Very, he tried to be very smart. Uh, uh, the, I mean, there were other... Well, there was uh, Otto, Otto Preminger. Yes, that's right. He play, I believe he may have played Bookworm. Um, uh, Cliff Robertson is an interesting one. Cliff Robertson played a frontier villain named Shame. S-H-A-M-E, which was an obvious takeoff on the movie character Shane from the movie. Mm. And, um, but there were, as I say, there were, now there were three women who played Catwoman. There was Eartha Kitt, who was my favorite. Yes. The Catwoman! I said ridiculous, nonsense, foolish prattle. How right. can Batgirl be the best anything when Catwoman is around? <laughs> No best-dressed list is complete without the addition of the Queen of Criminals, the Princess of Plunder. Yours untruly. Right, Manx and Angora? Right. In any comparison between Batgirl and myself, she runs a poor third. Ah, but I can, gentlemen. And I have. You ladies with your fancy hairdos, what do you know about beauty? After you suffer the effects of my hair-raising balm, you will never be able to raise your heads in public again. Then we'll see who's the fairest of them all. She'd, now, she'd growl, then. Yeah, now, now, it's interesting. The other two women who played Catwoman, one was Julie Newmar, and the other was Lee Merriweather, who played her in a made-for-TV movie that ran for two hours. Occasionally, they show it on syndication. Uh, in that movie, Batman was fighting at one and the same time. Penguin, uh, Joker, Riddler, we and We must Catwoman. first eliminate Batman from the sea. <laughs> now, let me tell you what happened to Robin. You know how Robin first came to live with Bruce Wayne? Robin was a member of a circus uh, aerial group called the Flying Graysons. His last name was Grayson. His parents were killed by underwater, uh, under, underworld gangsters, and he came to live as Bruce Wayne's ward. Uh, Bruce Wayne was the head of Brain, uh, Wayne Enterprises, billionaire, playboy type. His father uh, had been the original own, uh, uh, corporate executive. Uh, Alfred, the butler, Alfred's real name was Alfred Pennyworth. He was English, and there are reports that he had been involved with MI5 and some other 
Well, well, I remember the scene where Penguin uh, was hypnotizing Alfred. That's right. Mr. Wayne's residence, Alfred speaking. (coughs) Who is that speaking? (coughs) Who else but Penguin? Remember, Alfred? I remember. The time and place of the millionaire's dinner. (coughs) Report. Word has been leaked via the underworld grapevine that the millionaire's award dinner will be held here. Here? Where? Wayne Manor. But... But what? Answer, you soporific servitor! But it will not be held here. Actually, it will be held in the captain's dining salon and on board the flagship of the Wayne Steamship Line. Yes! The Gotham Neptune. The Gotham Neptune and the winning charity. Miss Natural Resources. Good. You have remembered. Now you will forget. Hello, hello. No one there. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm going to tell you what happened to Robin. You want to know. They didn't show this in the series. Robin eventually, see, in the series, he was a high school student. He was living with Bruce Wayne and Ed Harriet at Wayne Manor. He was going to Woodrow Roosevelt High School. I love that, Woodrow Roosevelt High School. He eventually grows up, and when he goes to college, he goes away, and supposedly he had an affair with Batgirl. That is Commissioner Gordon's daughter, Barbara, who we saw later on in the original Adam West series. Robin disappeared. He went to college, and eventually he came back as a different character. Robin came back as the character Nightwing. He was a different hero. And then, of course, there were – because this, 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 of course, uh, Curtis, was all in the different movies. Do you and Nancy, by the way, have cable? Or not? No, she cut the cord like all hipsters and millennials. She cut well, the let me cord. Tell you, let, let me tell you, on Turner Classics, which is, of course, the, the one channel I watch, because Turner Classics has movies without commercials. I hate commercials. And anyway, uh, they're showing now on Saturday morning the 1943 original Batman serial with Robin fighting Japanese super spies in World War II, every Saturday morning at 9.30. They're showing a different chapter. Japanese super spies. That's right, in World War II. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. That's interesting. And uh, what is it? You know, it's, it's so strange that you would bring that up because uh, Christine Aguilara, I believe, is now claiming that she's Japanese. I'm saying to myself, how could you be Japanese? I thought you were 
Italian-American and Irish-American. I think. She's claiming she's Japanese. Oh, the classic days of Batman on TV. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Two of us here at WABC. Broadway Bill Lee, 40 years experience on loan from WCBS-FM. Goes truly Curtis Lee with 35 years talk radio, most of it here at WABC. Like with Batman and Robin at WABC. I just can't understand how we could have an army of people here during the day. I have no idea what they do. They run around. They do podcasts. They do videos. They do everything under the sun other than the live broadcast, which is the basis of our operation, which has made us the number one news talk station in the nation with a 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe. And right on down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas and Bermuda. And yet it's just me and Broadway Bill Lee. Try to figure that out. So Godfather of Sound, Soul Brother Number One, James Brown, leads us. Right into our next subject, which there seems to be a continued spike of revenge against actor, producer, director Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson was scheduled to uh, be a grand marshal at the upcoming Mardi Gras parades in New Orleans, starting right after Fat Tuesday. 
And all of a sudden, he was dropped from the Mardi Gras parade lineup in New Orleans after organizers said they'd received threats and cited safety concerns. And I'm saying to myself, I've seen a lot, a lot of the movies of Mel Gibson. Braveheart, probably his best. Lethal Weapon, oh, the trilogy, really good. Passion of Christ, in fact, uh, apparently uh, Mel Gibson is uh, preparing to uh, shoot in mid-2023 the second coming of the Passion of Christ. And he's other had other great movies. And I'm wondering now, after time has passed, we know he got into that jam with cops when he was stopped on a traffic violation and then just started spewing anti-Semitic rhetoric. And then he had that Russian girlfriend, and oh my God, he went off on the phone, dropped the N-bomb a few times, made other pejorative remarks. But I'm wondering, is enough enough? I remember a conversation that uh, Mike Tyson had when he said, you know, when he was going through his problems, his many problems, Mike Tyson, remember he was a rapist, an assaulter, just a total deviant. He said in order to get back into the good graces of the American public, especially the women, he would go on shows like The View and other shows that predominantly appealed to women. And he would break down and begin babbling and crying like a little baby to the point where they had to give him a box of Kleenex. And he'd keep dabbling his eyes and crying, those fake crocodile tears. And he said to Mel Gibson, he said, your problem is you don't go out there and just cry. Uh, Mike Tyson said, hey, Mel, you cry to the American public, especially the women in the audience. And they'll, they'll all of a sudden forgive and forget. They'll really feel empathy and sympathy for you. It's something that Mel Gibson has chosen uh, not to follow in the footsteps of. But Mike Tyson feels it's been his recipe in terms of getting back into the mainstream and no longer having that baggage that turned a lot of people off on him. But I'm asking all of you, is it time? Is it time that... We just forget this about Mel Gibson, this old news. Do we really think he's an ongoing anti-Semite? Do we really think he's a racist? Do we really think that he should be persona non grata in Hollywood? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I take you back to one of those classic moments. Maybe one of the greatest cinematic moments of all time. I know you won an Oscar for this. That was Braveheart. Sons of Scotland. I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. He kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! 
Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! There are few, few moments uh, that I've ever seen in movies that grip you like that. When Mel Gibson is rallying up his troops that are ready to turn and run from the Brits. And then eventually at the end when they impale him on the rack. It's just a great movie. And I, I just don't understand with all that I've seen people do, especially out there in uh, Hollywood. All the freakazoid behavior. And not to suggest this guy is any angel on Yoick. I know he's got his eccentricities. He's one of these Orthodox Roman Catholics. But I think it's enough is enough, huh? You ban him from being the, uh, the what, 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 what do we call him? We call him uh, dropped from the Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans after threats. Who the hell's going to be threatening him? You know what? Maybe you ought to partner him up with uh, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon Man. You sure are a crazy son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You think I'm crazy? Yeah. Are you calling me crazy? crazy? You think I'm crazy? Yeah, Yeah, you want to see crazy? I'll tell you. (laughs) Now, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real gun. And then remember when Danny Glover is saying to Mel Gibson, man, you are out of your mind. You were, yeah, you go ahead, blow your brains out, go ahead. And like, Mel Gibson's ready to do it. Oh, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Huh? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my damn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it every single day. And you know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? The job. Doing the job. Now, that's the reason. Do you want to die? I don't. I'm not afraid of it. I ain't afraid of it. Take my gun. Don't nibble on the barrel. Pull the trigger. Go ahead, pal. Be my guest. Go ahead if you're serious. You shouldn't tempt me, man. Put it in your mouth. Bullet might go through your, your ear and not kill you. Yeah, under the chin. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not trying to draw a psycho pension. You really are crazy. I'm hungry. I'm going to go and get something to eat. Great, right? That's great. Man, I don't understand why he is like persona non grata, Mel Gibson. I, I really don't after all this time. And at times he's been on hiatus, and then he's directed some great movies. He's participated in great movies. And then as part of his comeback, remember, he was always embraced by Jodie Foster and Patrick Swayze when he was alive, Robert Downey Jr. 
who looks kind of freaky lately. You know, you see him walking around. But Jody Foster had him do, remember the hand puppet movie, Beaver? Because nobody would hire him. Remember Beaver? Is dad gone? He's not gone, honey. We just agreed that it's better if we don't live together anymore. I'm glad you kicked him out. What a loser. This is the story of Walter Black, a hopelessly depressed individual. The successful and loving family man he used to be has gone missing. And no matter what he's tried, Walter can't seem to bring him back. What's that? It's a brain. Mom's ears got broken. So you can see that Walter is a man who's lost all hope. But he's about to find his voice. Bloody hell. Look at you. I'm sick. Do you want to get better? Who are you? I'm the beaver, Walter. And I'm here to save your damn life. A sock puppet. That's, that's the kind of movie he had to do in order to just start climbing his way back. Anyway, let's go to Charlie, who's calling from Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Charlie. Hey, Curtis, good morning. Uh, we've met a few times, always by accident. Uh, the last time was last March when you and Rudy and Andrew were at the Neptune Diner in Bayside. And since then, I've moved here. And i just like to... Um, get to your point about Mel Gibson first, and then I got a question for you personally. Um, Mel Gibson was like the second coming of uh, Eric Roberts' Stallone mix. He was just fabulous. Still is, I'm sure. Uh, his movies took you by, like, he always did something you didn't expect in Lethal Weapon and all the other movies, and his directorial stuff is awesome. And um, him, the racist comments he made to me, and I'm a Jewish man, I don't follow the faith, but I go to actually I go to a non-denominational denominational church. He, to me, racism isn't if it's not harmful. In other words, if he didn't if he didn't, if he prevented someone from getting a job or a house or something to that effect, then it's harmful. What he said at that moment, drunk, is just spewing big whoop de doo. You know, people take it. The woke people and the Karens they push that narrative to the point where. We have to all walk on eggshells. I mean, yeah, what you said was nasty, and I say worse. I say worse about all races it's when I know it's appropriate or in the right frame. But I don't go out and hurt any other race because of their race. I don't hurt anybody. He didn't hurt anybody, okay? And now my quick question. Somebody made derogatory comments about you, and I can't believe they would. You do so much good. Something that happened years ago where you were involved, in some kind of a hoax. I don't know anything about The only person I know who hoaxed America or New York was Al Sharpton. Al Slim Shady Sharpton. No, no, what they're referring to uh, in the early days of the Guardian Angels, there were certain situations that didn't turn out to be exactly the way they were, and I took full responsibility for it. Uh, people will say that's a hoax. I'll accept that. Uh, but uh, I, I came clean with it. It was at a time that I was battling the uh, NYPD who were locking me up every other week. And okay. it was a uh, it was basically a war of tactics. Uh, was I right to do it? No, of course. Uh, I was immature at the time. Uh, but that person was correct. Wasn't, Curtis, wasn't the NYPD kind of anti-Guardian Angels because you were 
you were making them look bad at that time back in the seventies. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I was getting arrested yeah, every other week, uh, dumped off into the uh, Brooklyn House of Correction, the Bronx House of Correction, Queens House of Correction, the Tombs, and then out to Rikers Island, the Barge. So, uh, yeah, I was getting batted around. Right. I remember, you know, growing up, I'm, I'm 62, man, and uh, I remember I would look for you guys if I went into Manhattan. I was scared crapless. Every day if I took the train, I was with my girlfriend, and she was from Baltimore, and I'm like, sweetheart, keep your eyes open. And when we saw that red beret, we were like, okay, we're cool, you know? Yeah, in fact, uh, we have our anniversary coming up. Uh, it was our 44th anniversary, February 13th. And I think uh, I'm just going to have to resume uh, sending our members uh, back into the subways uh, round the clock because the subways are really out of control. Now, question, Charlie. Which part of Florida are you living in now? I'm in the city of Palms, which is the Cape Coral, Fort Myers area. How many uh, New Yorkers have you run into down there? <laughs> Almost all of them. <laughs> so you are you a part of the Exodus? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I wanted to go five years ago. And uh, I finally had the opportunity with my brother financially, and we bolted last May. And how do you feel about the move now? Oh, I'm loving it, man. DeSantis is a god. Florida is so sweet and innocent. Like, it's the state that hasn't been corrupted yet, you know? I love New York. I miss it. But, man, I can't walk the streets there no more. Ever since 2020, the the whole Floyd crap, I'm like, you know what? This place ain't safe. Uh, And the cops aren't aren't doing their job. You know, you got to basically carry a a gun like your Bernie gets to to be fairly safe in that city these days. And my wife still lives there, my ex, and she takes the train every day in the bus. And she never, she says she never sees any crimes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Are your eyes open? (laughs) Over homeless people everywhere? Don't you read the paper? She's the liberal rag, and she only watches the liberal TVs. She doesn't open her eyes to anything other than Rachel Maddow and all that garbage on CNN and whatever. I said, you know what? I'm out of here. You can stay. Do your thing. I'm gone. My brother and I are so happy here, man. But no, no, you just, uh, Charlie, uh, you uh, are a reflection of what we hear over and over again here at WABC. People who have gone down to Florida, they know they have a home away from their home now in Florida right here at WABC. And they just extol the virtues of DeSantis land, Freedom Land, Florida. A better quality of life. You're safer. You just feel so much different. I know I was down there for a week uh, dealing with some political business, and I could see the enticement. I've been to Florida many times. I have guardian angels in Florida. But I can see comparing comparing Florida to our area after the lockdown and pandemic, I could see easily why so many people would be lured down there for all the right reasons. And that exodus is going to continue because it's going to get worse before it gets better. Let's go to Mario in Long Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mario. Yes, hello, Mario. I think Mario... uh, I think Mario is over there in the boardwalk in Long Beach uh, staring at the ocean. Uh, Let's go to Pat calling from Matawan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pat. Hello, Pat. Are you there? Yes, Pat. See, I know Pat is there. 
He's doing the rope dope on us. He better not have fallen asleep. Oh, my God. That is the, the worst insult that you could ever commit against a host or a hostess is to fall asleep while you're waiting online to be saying something that is supposed to be, well, so, so brilliant. Instead, it turns out to be sophomoric, as if pearls of wisdom would be dripping from your lips, pal. Look at this. Stung God. Hey, what are you? Stung God there, Pat. Yeah, let's go to John uh, all the way out in Reno. We were just talking about Reno, John. Yeah, Curtis, I heard you. Uh, the other day, Brian Kilmeade had New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu on. And uh, I've known Chris Sununu a long time. I was his boss in Young Republicans in high school. Uh, Governor Sununu is getting ready to throw his hat in the ring for the Republican primary. And uh, I just want to let everybody know the great things Chris is doing up there in New Hampshire. It's the number one libertarian state in the country. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. But I will tell you this about governors, not just Sununu now or his father or those before him. They don't have a governor's mansion, and they're not not really in session most of the year. So what the hell does a governor in New Hampshire do? Well, the New Hampshire model is real unique. They don't have a lieutenant governor. They don't have income tax on earned income. Uh, it's got more freedoms than any other state in the union. It's really a libertarian paradise up there. Oh, yeah, live free or die, right? Yes, sir. No, no, a t- total difference from nearby Vermont, although in Vermont a lot of Second Amendment people, even though they're very liberal or progressive, a lot of gun owners, and completely different than Massachusetts. That, that's like a world away. So, yeah, no, no, I can see the attraction in New Hampshire. I just know from having followed politics that a New Hampshire governor does little of, or, or anything. It's not a powerful form of governorship like New York is, uh, like uh, New Jersey is. You understand what I'm saying, John? Yes. Right, but no, no, hey, hey Sununu, uh, you're, you're promoting Sununu. Um Obviously, he would have a leg up in the New Hampshire uh, president, uh, presidential primary as a favorite son. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things work out. Yeah, it's a purple state. He won re-election by thirty percentage points. Yeah, well, remember he's also got the nepotism of his daddy. Yeah, his brother was a senator from Vermont as well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Syrian, right? Ah. Uh, they are Syrian. They immigrated from Syria to El Salvador, and then uh, his dad moved to New York City. His dad grew up in a Spanish-speaking house and then became governor himself. I think his dad has an incredible collection of baseball paraphernalia. I think he's got like a whole garage filled with incredible amounts of baseball cards, tops baseball cards, uh, baseball paraphernalia from uh, stadiums uh, across the United States, including minor league stadiums. Apparently, he's a real, you know, fan, a real buff. Yeah, they're an interesting family. After Chris, Governor Chris graduated from MIT with the engineering degree, he hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. And well, I tell you what. I will uh, certainly keep an eye on Sununu. But remember, 
in your primary there in New Hampshire, when you were in New Hampshire, you know, almost everybody under the sun runs in that primary. I, I remember even, remember when Billy Jack ran in the New Hampshire primary? Yes. Man, that was my favorite, man. Billy Jack, one of the greatest uh, movies of all time. Billy Jack taking on every villain. He would show up, right? He'd take his shoes off. And he'd throw that, that sky kick right at you. He'd say, I'm going to hit you right here. And he'd say, you're not going to hit me right there. Flick, flick his. Oh, that was, that was great, great movie, Billy Jack. And I tell you what, Billy Jack ran, I believe it was, uh, in the uh, Democratic primary. I think when Bill Clinton was running against Lowell. And that was a crowded primary there. But I remember Billy Jack. That's my all-time favorite. He was great. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Eddie in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here, Ed. Salutations, Curtis. I just want to relate a quick episode that happened when I was attached to a military police unit dispatched to the borders of uh, New York and Canada. And upon arrival at this uh, site of a uh, reported UFO, Two beings ex- exited the the, the 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 craft, and they were wearing uh, gold chains around their necks and, and and diamond rings on their fingers. And we asked them, "Do all ETs wear big gold chains around their their necks and and, and diamond rings around their fingers?" They looked at each other for a moment and said in perfect English, "The goyim, not so much." <laughs> Bell comedian, you know, Caroline's is closed. God. Pat Cooper, where are you? Hey, you know who we miss? We really miss. Uh, he used to go to Williamsburg, I think on Thursday nights to that uh, delicatessen uh, where the Satmar go. Forget the name of it. If anybody out there knows the name of it, I think it begins with a G, Goldstein. Nah, nah, that's not it. It'll come to me. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But Jackie Mason, we miss Jackie Mason dearly. And Pat Cooper, I know Pat Cooper is out in Las Vegas. I think he's married to a woman who's like 28 years old. Pat Cooper's like 98 years old. Sharp, though. Sharp as a tack. I remember seeing Pat Cooper, one of the greatest comedians of all time, on the platform of the A-Train at West 4th Street, and he was trying out material on the subway riders. I mean, he was, like, constant. I mean, he one of the greatest of all times, no doubt about it. Our number is one 800 Let's go to uh, Jim, uh, who's calling from Denver. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jim. How you doing? Well, I know how you're doing. Could have had better days. But uh, my big question is, uh, I've never seen any guardian angels in or around Denver. And I was wondering what the chances of uh, you get a chapter out here. Well, whereabouts are you in Denver, Jim? Well, I live outside of Denver in a suburb uh, out by Greeley, Colorado, uh, about eight miles north. No, I'm familiar Uh, with Greeley. Uh, We've actually patrolled Colfax, which is the main strip. Uh, right into uh, Aurora, 
Uh, they've had problems down near the cathedral, right near the Capitol, uh, which is all in right. that, that combined area. A lot of homeless people, a lot of drug oh, users terrible. there. It is like filled. Yeah, there's a little kid. My dad, uh, my dad took me, you know, up and down Colfax, and we've seen a couple of you guys when I was, I don't know, eight, ten years old. But uh, haven't seen or heard anything since then, and... I know you guys do a great job, and you, even your presence just helps out a community. So no, no, we, uh, we appreciate that, uh, Jim. And obviously, uh, Colfax, uh, it was having hard times when we were first called into uh, Denver in the uh, late '80s. But oh boy, with all the homeless people now and all the drugs, meth heads, it's it's really bad. Really bad and violent homeless people, violent, emotionally disturbed. Let's go to Michael, uh, who's wa- who's calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Curtis, how are you? I- I'm sorry about that. Hey, Curtis, I've uh, been better. Yeah. So this past week, Frank Morano was talking about how when next time he invites people over for the Super Bowl, he only wants people that are there just for the Super Bowl, people that are going to be staring at the screen, doesn't want to hear any kind of small talk about anything else. This is kind of funny coming from a guy that wants to play board games at weddings, don't you think? <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, that's great. <laughs> You're right, Michael. So he's going to limit the discourse, limit the things you do. Uh, is he suggesting that people just come over for the game or for the pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-show, which lasts almost the entire day? I think he was just talking about the game, but he says he doesn't want the girls talking about the babies, and he doesn't want anybody else talking about other kind of crap like he does every night, talking about every other little piece of nonsense, you know? <laughs> well, the yeah, one, so one, wants- one thing I think uh, Avery has brought to the forefront is that if you don't want your business to be known by everybody listening to his nationally syndicated uh, uh, radio program from coast to coast, don't tell Frank Morano because he will air it out to the world. And that's interesting because I think he was sort of blaming his wife for inviting some of these people, too. Wow. This guy, he's, he's like a constant malingerer, a moaner, a groaner, a complainer. Oi. That's right. Oi. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Curtis Lewa, as if you didn't even know, I am the sheriff of the MTA, the money-taking agency. Yo, this photo recognition technology, you're all on film. I'm going to know quickly if you're a criminal or not. And those guys who are trying to prove they don't have erectile dysfunction, put your three-piece set in your pants, you pervs. And if you try to commit the crime, whatever it is, I'm going to hit you so hard, your grandmother will feel the vibration. So, you want to deal with me? Or you want to just sit down, mind your own business, and get off of your stuff? And don't bust anybody's chops. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
Great who? Let's go to the phones. It's uh, Nora, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Nora. Hi, Curtis. I'm calling uh, in response to a lady who had called earlier about uh, seeing this triangular, uh, what she thought was a UFO. And I would like to share an experience that I had back around 2014. And I was uh, with a tour group, and we were up at Lake George. And so we were stayed at a very nice, uh, it was a motel style, very nice, you know, uh, accommodations. So I was turning in for the night, and I was about to close the curtain to this very big picture window. And I, I looked up in the sky, and I see a triangular form of lights. And it was moving very, very slowly from east to west, and it was quite large. I wouldn't say a football field, but it was large, and moving very slowly. But what I thought was really unusual, that the lights were not stationary. They were sort of rolling into each other, and, and then they would move back and then roll in again as if they were like clinking glasses. And uh, I tried to take a picture with my cell phone, but it did not come out. But I remember, you know, I watched this for about five minutes, and uh, then it just, you know, eventually moved, but it was just going so slow. So that lady's call reminded me of that. And I did share the experience with some fellow passengers, and they just smiled and brushed it off. And, you know, I could care less, frankly, because uh, I know what I saw. Now, Nora, have you had uh, any similar circumstances since? No, no. Um, I haven't done any traveling, really, in a while. So, uh, But I have heard that up in Lake George there have been sightings, and it's beautiful up there, and, you know, it's an unobstructed view. So, uh, But, uh, no, but I wanted to also add there's a story about John Lennon who – he saw uh, an actual UFO sighting. He wasn't living with uh, Yoko at the time. They were separated, and he was in another apartment. And it's you can look that up. You know, I've seen it online, and that's an interesting experience too. But uh, no, I haven't. That since then, no, that was the only uh, UFO. I would say it's a UFO because I have no idea what it was. But these lights, you know, the the triangular shaped lights, and as I said, that lady's call reminded me of that. So I thought I would share that as well. And that fellow who called earlier, who was relaying his experience as a kid, you know, um, I felt for him because he seemed to be shaken up by it. But, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's fantastic if we get to see these things. And, you know, it's true. They've been covered up. And who knows why the government wants to cover anything up. That, uh, well, but, they, don't, you know, they, they don't want the people to be empowered. They don't trust yeah, the people. They don't trust people. You're right. You're right. I, exactly. Because um, it's like taking the power away from uh, from the powers that be. So, um, yeah, but I, I just uh, wanted to share that and and to let that gentleman know who called in, you know, don't be don't be shaken by it. Just, you know, be I should think he would be. Uh, maybe grateful that he had an experience like that, you know, and, and not to be concerned what people think of you because, you know, <laughs> you know what you saw. Oh, sure. And, and uh, WABC is certainly an outlet for people who have uh, spotted UFOs or yeah. who want to be able to uh, speak on it because they've had to keep it inside for so long yeah. because people will look at them weirdly. Uh, yeah. Uh, sort of like uh, in a jaundiced way, if they tell their stories, 
Well, they they have the full license to tell their story here on the other side of midnight. It's great. So thanks. Good night. And uh, thanks for letting me share the story. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nora. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Russ. Uh, Russ, are you calling all the way from Malaysia? Yes, I am, Curtis. I actually live around the corner on 50th Street, and I've run into you a number of times, including one time when you were being followed around on 49th and 3rd by a video a videographer. But I, my wife is from Malaysia. You actually met her, and we came over here for Chinese New Year to celebrate with her family, but I couldn't miss you. <laughs> so every time I tune in, literally, you're always broadcasting Curtis. And uh, right now it's 4.30, 4.45 in the afternoon on Sunday. And uh, you're coming in loud and clear. And I, I thank you for letting me keep America with me while I'm overseas. No, no, understood. Are you in Kuala Lumpur? Just uh, about 30 miles away in a, l- a little town called Banting. Tell us what Ma- tell us what Malaysia is like, because obviously we've had a lot of attention about mainland China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Macau, South Korea, uh, Japan. Uh, Thailand, but give us an idea of what Malaysia is like. Well, it, it's interesting because today, this morning, we had breakfast with one of my wife's uh, friends uh, from Malaysia, and I asked her what, what her concerns might be regarding uh, China and Taiwan, and their media is uh, super controlled by the government, so she wasn't really too clear on what was going on, wasn't clear with the fact that, um, you know, Biden had said that, you know, we wouldn't allow that. <laughs> Not to mention, we would, you know, we would also remove uh, by, uh, remove Putin if he invaded uh, Ukraine. But it's it's a tropical country. Uh, the people are very very friendly. But like I said, you know, there's a pretty tight controlled government in terms of media flow. Um, talk about rigged elections. You know, there's a bit of an issue I think in that regard. I think one of the uh, prime ministers actually locked his competitor up accused him of sodomy and put him in jail so he couldn't run against him at one point several years ago. But I must tell you, the word, I believe the company you keep referring to as far as casinos in Queens, uh, Genting, is actually pronounced Genting. Genting, (laughs) Genting. A hard G. And and they are uh, the uh, firm that eventually got the contract for the Racino and Aqueduct beating out AEG which was lobbying then Governor David Patterson, uh, my husband-in-law, who is the stepfather of my oldest son, Anthony. Uh, They were dealing directly with Eric Adams, who, as a state senator, was in charge of gaming uh, in the state Senate. So they were whining, dining, and pocket-lining him. John Sampson. Swagger man with no plan? Yep, yep, swagger man with no plan. John Sampson, who was the majority leader of the Democrats, eventually went to jail. Former uh, Congress uh, uh, Congressman uh, Floyd Flake, he was on the verge of going to jail because of that. They should have all been locked up because they were basically shaking down AEG. Wow, very very professional on them. On well, part. We ended up uh, getting the Malaysian firm, which has done an outstanding job. 60% of everything they make at their electronics game-only casino uh, goes back to the state. There is no, no casino anywhere in the country that gives that kind of payout back to the state. And most importantly, I think they've earned the right to become a full uh, a full casino 
enabling them to provide all the board games and everything else that people like. They're building a convention center. They have a hotel there. It's going to be a major mega complex with Aqueduct Racetrack. They're able to provide purses for the races to keep the thoroughbred industry going. So, I mean, they've been the perfect partner, and I think they should be rewarded with one of these new all-purpose licenses. Excellent. I think they should be also awarded uh, taking over New York Lotto, which I invest in heavily. And the question whether that money ever goes to education, like they told us, I have no idea. Uh, when are you expected back? On uh, 1st of February. Yeah, no, no, well, Lunar New Year. Lunar New Year is is long. I know there are a number of parades uh, I'll be attending oh, with yeah. the Guardian Angels in uh, Flushing and then in Chinatown. Question, Russ, when you were flying over there, are the mainland Chinese now resume flying? You know, I don't know. Um, we were fortunate to take actually uh, Singapore Airlines and flew business class from New York from JFK to Singapore. It was a great flight, and um, there were a lot of Chinese on the on board. Whether they were, you know, from mainland or you know just Chinese uh, citizens, of the United States coming back like we were for Chinese New Year, I don't know. Now, Russ, when you were when you were coming from the United States uh, and you were flying first to Singapore and Singapore uh, Airlines, uh, and then eventually uh, going over to Malaysia, uh, did mm-hmm. you happen to know all of the warnings that they give the passengers that if you have anything on you of any illegal nature whatsoever, drugs, uh, etc., you'd be yeah. wise to go to the commode there and just flush it all down before you go through Checkpoint Charlie. Yeah, definitely drugs and guns aren't welcome in uh, Singapore or Malaysia. (laughs) Yeah, no, I remember when I was on Singapore Airlines, I was uh, stopping over at Singapore on my way over to Bombay, and the Mm -hmm. instructions were very clear before we landed in Singapore. You have any illegal drugs on you, any non-prescription drugs, anything that would be considered illegal, just go into the bathroom and flush it. You don't want to be caught in Singapore with any of these drugs on you. No, I think even if you uh, if you threw gum out, chewed gum out into the street, you could be uh, caned for a couple of you know for an hour or two. Oh yeah, they take the rattan to you. They put it right on the yeah. bottom of your feet. I mean, it is incredibly diverse city, Singapore. Very small, yep. but extraordinarily yeah. clean. Absolutely, and you know people are very well behaved there for. The reasons we've been discussing, the penalties are pretty harsh. Now, over there in Malaysia, because it's an economic engine, how do they view things that are going on back here now with the uh, uh, misappropriation of the uh, secret documents, first by Trump and Mar-a-Lago and now by Joe Biden at his various facilities? That was my my conversation this morning. This was a person who was formerly, she's retired now, but formerly an executive with IBM over here. And I asked her, you know, what do you think about, you know, what's going on now with, um, you know, Biden's confidential top secret papers that were discovered in several of his mansions around the country and the fact that, you know, the FBI hasn't gone after him. And they certainly didn't do any kind of uh, SWAT uh, attack on his property like they did with Donald Trump. And she didn't know anything about it. And, you know, she's, you know, quite aware. But I just don't think that kind of stuff I mean, it, does, it hardly gets covered in the United States, and let alone in Malaysia. They have no idea, you know, of the hypocrisy. Um, you know, they know, you know, she knows sometimes Donald Trump makes uh, inappropriate comments, you know, uses, you know, improper language. But, you know, in terms of 
that what what how he was treated versus how Democrats are treated. And she, you know, this was new to her. She had no idea. Now, question, Russ, uh, uh, how often have you been to Malaysia? Well, ever since uh, he started going out back in 1995, I guess I've been back here. This is close to my 20th time. Have you uh, ever read about the uh, pirates off the coast there that sometimes board the ocean liners and the oh, other yeah. craft? Sure. They even, I think they've even uh, invaded a, a, a resort in the Philippines and took a few uh, possibly American as well as foreign um, vacationers hostage. This happened a few years ago, but... It's in, it, it, not in, in Malaysia per se, but certainly in the area, there are pirates who do this kind of stuff for, you know, take hostages and try to get money for them. Yeah, my father was a merchant seaman 54 years, would tell me that when they would sail into that area between uh, Java and Indonesia uh, and uh, Malaysia, that there would be pirates lurking off the coast, would strike at night, and the men would wait up on the deck of the ship with the power hoses. And when the pirates wow. would come over the side, they'd open up the power hoses with uh, with scalding water, which would force them back over the railing and into the ocean and uh, wow. probably scald them. But he said, yeah, the pirates were bold. They would hit yeah. big freighters. They would hit big oil uh, tankers trying to take them in for ransom because, you know, then they'd sail them into this uh, little dinghy port, uh, hold them for yeah. ransom. And then the companies that had title to the ships, because they were flying them under foreign flag anyway, usually the Liberian flag or the Panamanian flag, uh, then they would uh, have to pay the freight in order to release the ship. Yep. I've heard the stories, too. Um, all I can say is, our mighty, uh, when it comes to pilots. <laughs> all right. Well, Russ, enjoy the rest of your stay for Lunar New Year in Malaysia. But uh, that's one thing I'm going to have to find out is that there was a panic that last Friday, the Biden administration through the Transportary Secretary, Boudicier, 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 was allowing the renewal of flights leaving mainland China and Hong Kong and Macau and coming into the United States, especially uh, Newark International Airport and JFK. If so, that would mean that there were people coming into the country who probably were transporting uh, various uh, variants of COVID-19 because it's spread like wildfire in mainland China now because they no longer have uh, communities in lockdown like they had previously. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. You were young and your heart was Let's go to Sonny, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sonny. 
How you doing, Curtis? It's a great show as usual. And uh, you, I tell you, you and I are on the same page when it comes to comedians. My favorite, my two favorite comedians of all time is Pat Cooper and and Jackie Mason. I've seen them both. Uh, actually, I've seen them both on Staten Island. Uh, Pat Cooper used to be at a comedy club. Uh, I think it was near, near New Dorp here in Staten Island. But, um, you know, I still have an album with him. And it's, I don't know if you, if you remember, it's called My Hero, Pat Cooper. And he's lying in a in a Italian hero sandwich. Very, very funny, <laughs> you know. Great comedian. Oh, and, and, and so quick, like a Gatling oh, gun, like a machine gun. He, he, and he's yeah, and he's up there in age, but uh, but um, yeah, he he is he is totally fantastic. Love love to hear him, and, and he was wearing brown tight leather pants. <laughs> very very funny. Well, I think but, he lives uh, in Vegas now. Uh, I think so. He's in his nineties, so, yeah. and I think he's married to a twenty eight year old woman. No kidding. That then that is that is really really funny, you know, but. Uh, you know, to go on to Jackie Mason, he he performed before he passed at the St. George Theater, you know, which I was tonight, by the way. They had a, a phenomenal concert of Elvis Presley. Mm. I mean, the best the best I ever heard. It, it ended 11 o'clock tonight. It was, the, the house was packed over there. Mm. And uh, but going back to uh, Jackie Mason, he used to have a, a he says on, on some of his comedy skits and he's like halfway serious. And I would really like it some night uh, on the weekends. You, you know, put if, if you can put on excerpts on 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 one of his shows that he slams Hillary Clinton as a goner, and he really he just he can't stand it. You can tell, and he puts all all her uh, antics on on the show. It's 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 really good. If you can put that on there some night, it would it would really really be great. You know, we oh, really yeah. like to hear it. Oh yeah, you know. I think I think I think there's a lot of listeners like you and I that would really appreciate. And you know, these two are timeless; they can go on forever. These 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 two comedians, love them, love them. But just wanna I just wanna comment on 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 someone who was on tonight. It was talking about UFOs, you know, and I, I was really never on UFOs that much. I'm not a sci-fi type of guy, but I have to share with with your audience tonight. Uh, when I was at Dover. Air Force Base. Uh, I was only like 21 years old. I was stationed out there, and uh, you know, just got back from a stint in Okinawa for 18 months. This is during Vietnam, and uh, I worked at a place on Dover called Air Operations, and and we used to have the pilots do the flight plans and everything. And you know, I, I used to talk to the, the the pilots, and I said, "Listen, do you ever uh, ever see uh, you know any UFOs when you're flying out there?" So one of one of the pilots they whispered to me said, you know, we see them all the time, but really we're not allowed to comment on it because uh, when we take our annual physicals, and if they find out we're talking about this, you know, they can cancel us out. You know, they can ground us like that. So if they see the pilots see it out there, and UFOs are known to fly around uh, a, a military bases throughout the United States, and especially if they have a lot of technology. I mean, you know, this is what I've read and stuff like that. But uh, but I remember one one night coming to I used to work the eleven, the eleven to seven shift. And I was I was I was driving to work, and um, I saw all these like lights in the sky, and and I figured this can't be a helicopter. It was like rotary going spinning around and spinning around. So um, you know I got to work, and uh, and we had callers from the from the town over there in Dover, and they were saying they saw the same thing too. 
so um, you know, it, there, there is something there is something really to it, you know. So there's there's really something going around out there, I'm sure. Oh no, but, no, um, no, no you know, doubt, no Sonny. Doubt. And in fact, uh, we're going to be talking about what's going on up in the stratosphere. Uh, what I believe is uh, climate change and global warming, and I'm not just talking about what's happening in California, but all over the nation, all over the world. You happen to be, especially from California, the most populated uh, state in the nation, with also the strongest economy, uh, where if left to its own measures, would be the seventh largest economy in the world. That's California alone. If you happen to be out there, please give us a call. Give us an update on all the severe weather you're being clobbered with at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, in the final segment, as I keep you up to the break of dawn, we're going to be going down to El Paso, where our mayor, Eric Adams, claims the swagger man that he's going to come up with a plan after finally deciding to go to El Paso a dollar short a day late. Should have went down when he was first offered the opportunity by then Governor Greg Abbott. And that was in August of of this past year. Check this out. On the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. from the past, and I'm going to ask all of you ladies and gentlemen, what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going down? 
So what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going down? I have a selection. Uh, if you might uh, just uh, chill out on Edwin Starr, we'll get back to him momentarily. I would think the song that would be playing on Hell's Elevator going down would be Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks. Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks. And I'm asking all of you, what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going down? Which song would you suggest? Because you'd probably be in the elevator going down straight to the bowels of hell. Let me hear that music there. That's right. We've climbed hills and trees. Learned of love and ABC. Skinned our hearts and skinned our knees. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. When all the birds are singing in the sky. Now that the spring is in the air. Pretty girls are everywhere. Of me and I'll be there. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. But the hills that we climbed were just seasons out of time. Again, what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down that shaft? I've chosen Seasons in the Sun. You're all listening to it now by Terry Jacks. I think it's a classic. If you're going to go right into the bowels of hell and you can't put on the skids, you can't put on the brakes, you're ready to, like, get smashed to smithereens any second. Broadway Bill Lee, out of the many songs I would think about, clearly Terry Jack Seasons in the Sun. When you see them, I'll be there. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. Now, if that was a little too morbid for you, how about uh, we switch to Debbie Lovato? Debbie Lovato, as you know, has had all kinds of problems with substance abuse, has had uh, 10 trillion boyfriends in her lifetime. What about her song, Dancing with the Devil, since, let's face it, you're going straight to hell, right? Let me hear that. It's just a little red wine, I'll be fine. Not like I want to do this every night. I've been good, don't I deserve it? I think I earned it, feels like it's worth it in my mind. My Yeah! 
Well, uh, Demi Lovato's had a little uh, Madonna action as her poster was banned in the UK for being blasphemous. Uh, apparently, she was uh, laying out on a cross, almost uh, in a uh, casket-like way, which uh, the UK, which I told you, they don't have free speech in the UK freedom of expression. They really don't. I've told you that time and time again. But that was uh, banned in the UK for being potentially offensive to Christians. And you would say, really? Really? How many times have you seen artists, uh, actors, actresses, uh, performers do that before? I mean, that's one of the quickest tricks in terms of uh, promoting a, a new song or a new album. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Roy, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Roy. Hello, Curtis. Last weekend, you said that Mayor Fuller will not win the governorship over in New Jersey over your dead body. Do you remember saying that? Absolutely. Can I say it again? Yeah, but now I'm going to tell you what his answer was, because I texted to him on Saturday, and he answered me back right away about it. And he texted me back, LOL, LOL, ha, ha. Ah, well, number one. I don't know where you shine in from a New Yorker or come over here to Jersey. I don't think so. I don't think you could get yourself some nookie in a woman's prison with a fist full of pardons. And then might knock him out of the box? I don't think so, fella. Now, nah, let me tell you why. Because our news director, Noam Layden, lives right next to him uh, up on the hill uh, in the Heights. And so uh, I'm tracking this guy who's a graduate of Goldmine Sachs. I mean, look, come on, Roy. How many people are you going to elect from Goldmine Sachs to ruin your state? First it was Corzine. Now it's half in the bag. Murphy was like always smashed. Now you're going to elect Fulop from a gold mine Sachs? Are you crazy, Roy? Jersey City. Uh, you know, it's not easy being a mayor. Oh, no, I understand you know, that. You know, political office is tough. No matter you're doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. Right, but, but I, I think trying. I think you would uh, be much better off if he gives Citarelli a shot. He, he gave a good run to Murphy. He lost on the paper late at night. Uh, the guy looks like he's right out of central casting. Come on, Roy. We'll know soon enough, and the time's gone by very fast. That's true, but Fulop is definitely running, and he's uh, been groomed uh, by the Democrats uh, to take the place of half in the bag Murphy. By the way, well, okay, why don't you just text uh, Fulop, your very dear friend now, and say that Curtis has doubled down on his prediction over his dead body? And the dead bodies of his 18 rescue cats. How about that, Roy? 
I'll text it to him later. It's too early right now. To oh, what, well, what? He's not up? He ought to be up? No, Layden is up. His neighbor, our news director, he's ready to schlep him here momentarily. you got to let him know if he's going to be mayor in Jersey City. He's a big city with a lot of complex issues, with a lot going on to the wee hours of the morning, because it's a big party town. You know that, Roy. Yeah, but I, no, later I'll do it. No, no, no. wait. Well, come on, Roy. Come on, man up. And oh, you uh, said last weekend that you, when you were leaving Atlantic City, why is it okay for you to leave Atlantic City and you knock Frank Morano for going to uh, Atlantic City? Because why why I, is it all right for you? I wasn't. I wasn't gambling. I was at the yearly World uh, How Marsh- do we know that you weren't gambling? How no. do we know that? Because I'm not a gambler. I gamble with my life. You could. Five, you could go play five hours. Nah, I'm, I'm just, I've never been a gambler, to be honest with you, Roy. Never, never. You just were saying how you went to this country, that country. Who pays for all this airfare that's so expensive? Well, what do you mean it's so expensive? That's over the years. Remember, I'm 60, I'm going to be 69 years old on March 26th. I've had a chance. I'm 69 years old also. Right, so I've had a chance for close to 50 years of my life to travel. Boy, it's not that expensive. Do you remember when they, when Jimmy Carter deregulated the airlines? They had like prices rock bottom. You remember People Express over there at Newark International Airport in the North Too many Terminal? Years ago. Oh, that was in the eighties. Remember that, Roy? Too many years ago, I can't remember that far back. Now, what, what do you mean? That's the eighties. People Express. Don't you remember? Nineteen dollars. You could go to Nashville, Tennessee. No, I don't remember it. Don't you know for $99 on World Airways, you could go to Tele- excuse me, you could go to Ben-Gurion uh, Airport in Israel? $99. You well, missed well, out. You missed no. out, Roy. You could have traveled the world. I don't like flying. Wait a second, Roy. I'm a white-knuckle flyer. Wait a second. You know who is the only guy to ever fly in Brooklyn? Abe Rellis, he was being detained by the Brooklyn District Attorney. He was going to give up uh, the guys in Murder Incorporated. And the next thing you know, he went flying out of the Half Moon Hotel from the top room. And everybody said, oh, that's Abe Rellis, the first man ever to fly in Brooklyn. (laughs) Get out of gotcha, Roy. Gotcha. (laughs) I knew I'd get him. Come on, man. Come on, Philip. Get up. Man, if Noam Layden, your neighbor, can get up, our news director up there in the Heights, you can get up, too. It's 24-7-365. Let me tell you something. Jersey City, good city. Got a lot of action at night. A lot of bars, a lot of gin mills, a lot of after-hours clubs. Oh, yeah, Broadway Bill Lee. Oh, those hipsters and millennials. Then they go over to Hoboken, Washington. I know, I know the bars are closed by two. But they're after-hours joints. And then, of course, there's Newark. Uh, Raj Baraka, you ain't running for nothing, Raj Baraka. You're lucky you're not in Trenton State and you're not in Rawway. Oh, they changed the names of it. It was sounded so much better when you said, oh, man, I did my time in Rawway. Oh, that's hard to... Now they got to call it Northern State. Why did they change the name of Rawway? Oh, because the people in Rawway didn't want to be associated with the prison. Well, it's not in Auburn. Uh, it's it's not in Rawway. I think it's in Auburn. Yeah, I think it's right next door. Oh, I'm telling you, look at it geographically. And then, of course, Trenton State. 
Those are tough prisons. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank, who's calling from Ohio. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. Good morning, Curtis. I have a song for you for uh, Sympathy for the Devil by the Stones or Fire by Arthur Brown. Going to hell. All right. So Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. Uh, So just imagine you're in uh, hell's elevator going straight down. There's no brakes. You know, Uh we've lost your ability to stop. That might be the last song that you ever hear in your life. But if you got to go out, that's the way you want to go out, right? You want to be happy. Uh, I mean, you're going to be kind of like, uh, hey, devil, I'm with you. You know, here's the song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think of it. Keith Richards, he looks like the devil. That guy, uh, <laughs> he looks like a cadaver in formaldehyde. Mick Jagger. And, and fire. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. And Mick Jagger looks like a prune, a Danish prune. Uh, and now, what was the other song? Fire by Arthur Brown. Fire by Arthur Brown. I'm not familiar remember with old, that one. Remember the old song, Fire, uh, Beg You to Burn. It was an old 60s song. Hmm. Well, let's try, uh, got to try first, uh, a Sympathy of a Devil uh, for the Devil uh, by the Rolling Stones. I mean, that one I remember. And uh, yeah. We're in the elevator, both of us together, Frank. We're going straight yeah. down to hell. There's mm-hmm. n- no way to stop the fall. Please allow me to introduce yourself. There you go. There it is. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. Yeah, I like this, Frank. We got to go. This is the way I want to go. Oh, this is good. This guy, Frank, you got a, you got a good taste in music. I'm a musician like you. I'm an old timer. Hey, can I just say something else too? Of course. You know the number nine, like. Uh, uh, cat's got nine lives. A stitch in time saves you nine. And yeah. what's the what's the deal with nine? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Now that you bring it to my attention, uh, love I, potion I, number nine. Yeah, love potion number nine. All these nines. Yeah, what is the significance? Especially when you think I got to be careful around my wife that a cat yeah. has nine lives. Why? Why not ten or eleven? Yeah. Why nine? That's a perfect question to ask all of our listeners out there is why these. And, again, let's go through the nines again. Why does a cat have nine lives? What's the rest? Love potion number nine. Okay, love potion number nine. And then you had one more, I think. A stitch in time saves you nine. A stitch in time saves you nine. You're absolutely right. Why that? I don't know. You tell me. You have your callers come in, and, uh, and, and, and and we'll see what we'll find out. Well, that's what we're going to do right now, Frank. Uh, you got us off you take care. Uh, to a roaring uh, fall into hell. Yeah, why is it called Love Potion Number 9? Why does a cat have nine lives? Well, let's quickly go to Paul in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Hi. Good morning, Curtis. 
Oh, this goes back a story from when I was a kid, but uh, they were going to, they were having Ted Bundy's execution in Florida. Oh, I remember that. That was, was at Stark, Stark Prison in Northern Florida. And they were going to, they were broadcasting it on the radio. I was listening to it on the radio, but was a, they were singing, hey, goodbye. So he was getting a musical send-off to hell. Yeah, in fact, uh, ironically, uh, we had a guardian angel group who came up to Stark Prison uh, from, uh, uh, they were coming up from Jacksonville at the time, led by Paul Martinelli, and they created a facsimile electric chair. They were right outside, and they were urging them to put the juice in Ted Bundy's caboose while the Holy Rollers were advocating, no, 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 life is precious, don't kill anybody. And we were saying, kill them, juice them. And they, they listened to us, they juiced them. Yeah, the pro, pro, pro-life, pro pro-people, and then the pro-execution people. Yeah, but you know, you know, there. Paul, that, that guy, Ted Bundy, he was like the ultimate in evil because he was one of those uh, pretty guys, you know, pretty boys that had uh, fooled a lot of women, fooled a lot of women who thought, oh, he's charming, he's debonair. The next thing you know, he's strangling them and leaving them for dead. Sounds like the new guy, the the Ohio guy, a little bit. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. Good selection. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I ask you the question again. What song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down to the epicenter of Mother Earth? Let's go to Marianne calling from Indiana. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marianne. Hello, Curtis. I have a song. Uh, it's Love in the Elevator. Okay, what is the name of the song? Love in the Elevator by Aerosmith. Oh, Love in the Elevator by Aerosmith. So that means uh, Steven Tyler, right? Coho Lips. Yeah. Oh, man, is he in trouble? You know, that 16-year-old girl. What happened? What happened? I heard about it, but I didn't know what happened. Well, he had gone to the parents in Portland, Oregon. They had been touring. And uh, the young lady wanted, was like a groupie, you know, going to the concerts. So he goes to the parents of the 16-year-old woman. He becomes her guardian, gets guardianship, travels all over the country with her. Meantime, he's uh, taking advantage of her sexually. It's almost like she was a sex slave. And now, so many years later, it's come back to haunt him because with the uh, opening up of a lot of the laws, there's no longer a statute of limitation against perverted acts, uh, this woman is sink, uh, suing him for every nickel, diamond, penny he, uh, he's got. Oh, my. Yeah, well, hey, you know, he, he did it. Let, let's see if we uh, we have this. Uh, uh, Broadway, Bill Lee, have you been able to find this classic song? Again, I'm going to indicate uh, that what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down to the epithet Epicenter of Mother's Earth. And uh, Marianne has given us a song by Aerosmith. Let's see if uh, now we haven't been able to uh, culturally appropriate it, Marianne. Okay. Well, there's on the number nine. I was singing of the John Lennon song, number nine. Where did he get that? That's right. Why the number nine? 
This is incredible, all the things that have nine in it. And yet you're asking that question. Our prior caller asked that, who identified himself as a musician. And I have absolutely jackedly squat no idea whatsoever, Marianne. Well, I have uh, an idea. The counts are always eight counts. Maybe they're thinking, well, why don't they have nine counts? Maybe. I don't know. Mm. All right. Well, 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 well uh, it's plausible. Our number is one 800 let us go to Phil, who's calling from Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Phil. Hi, Curtis. Pleasure to talk to you. Yes, Phil. First, I think you need to be regulated. I'm addicted to listening to you. I get no sleep on the weekend. Well, that's uh, that's my goal, to keep everybody up to the break of dawn. I have a feeling that you're probably being paid by sleep doctors <laughs> to cause more patients. Well, you know, you know how they have uh, athletes like Lance Armstrong and other athletes in order to pr- improve their uh, performance. Illegally yeah. used blood doping. They used EPO. <laughs> well, just yeah. imagine I'm sending over the fifty thousand powerful watts of sound a form of EPO. Uh, that keeps you all gyrated, keeps you all energized. It's legal. Uh, you can pass any drug test. Uh, but you can always say, Curtis Leewood did this to me on the radio. So tell me, Curtis, what's the difference in between an athlete and an athlete? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> one from Brooklyn or what? <laughs> That's a good one. What is the difference, Phil? Nothing. Ah. That's from Brooklyn. Figured. Figured that. Big enough difference. Now, do you have a particular song that you would like to take on an elevator to hell? I do, but somebody stole my thunder. Ah. It's off an album by Arthur Brown, and the album name is The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Oh, yeah, that, that was a classic. I had never heard that song before. I had never heard that oh, song that's before. That's a good one. And I have a question for you. Yes, Phil. Another question. Yes. You mentioned uh, something about Long John Neville. I'm an old-time radio buff, mm. a major buff of uh, Gene Shepard. Do you remember the bumper music that John Long John Neville used? No, I don't. I just remember he was on WMCA. It was overnight, and he had me believing that Candy Jones was a CIA agent. (laughs) Anyway, his bumper music was the music that was used in Forbidden Planet. Uh Remember that movie? No, no, Forbidden Planet. Uh, We'll we'll try. Love that. Yeah, we'll try to. I'll probably remember when I hear it, because as a kid, I used to have that little Sony transistor radio underneath the pillow, because, you know, mom or dad would be making their rounds, wanting to make sure that uh, me and my two sisters were asleep in our separate rooms, Uh, although the the girls shared a room. They had a bunk bed. I had my own room, but they were little minuscule rooms, and, you know, they'd check and you had to hide that Sony transistor radio. You had to turn it off because they, my dad's had a, an acute sense of hearing. 
And sometimes, remember with those old Sony transistor radios, if they were running too long, it's almost like the uh, uh, DW40 oil was burning a little bit. You could, you'd actually smell it. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm a bit older than you are. And the radio I used when I was a kid was a crystal radio. Oh, you remember those? Whoa. No, I the only... Uh, it was I, a little alligator clip that you hooked onto your uh, window screen. <laughs> wow. great. Oh, wait a second. I, I think I hear it now. Is this it? an instrument that was used to create that sound called a theremin. A theremin. You see, that kind of music, if uh, Frank Marano on the other side of the other side of Midnight heard that, he'd want, to, he'd want to steal it. He'd want to steal it when he's talking about UFOs, little gray aliens, you know, extraterrestrials, flying saucers, and all that. Whatever floats your boat, that's great. This guy purloins stuff, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, you know, no, he, he, he purloins stuff, I'm telling you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Everybody in California. As soon as I get home, with that ring, I'm gonna call you mm, mm. and tell you how much I love you. Oh, I feel so good. California, 
who are being deluged with rainstorm after rainstorm. And this comes to you via Love Unlimited. You remember there was Barry White. I didn't like Barry White. I liked Love Unlimited. You know, you could go for that deep, sultry Barry White voice. I'll go for Love Unlimited. Any time of the day or night. With every passing day we share the five one summer. Just be together. To all our listening friends in California, as you're getting pounded with rainstorm after rainstorm after rainstorm, this is the classic Walking in the Rain. Forget Barry White. Just go with Love Unlimited. I'm gonna call him right now. Gee, I hope he's home. Hello. Baby, I'm home. I've got something to tell you. So beautiful. Let me tell you how it started. Classic, classic. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. And I hit you with the question what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight on down? By the way, if. Uh, you were thinking of hooking up with uh, Love Unlimited, you would end up on that elevator going straight to hell. That's for sure. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, Bob calling from Long Beach. Your, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Yeah, Curtis, uh, it's Highway to Hell, naturally, by ACDC. Oh. And one of the, that's the best, I, I thought. But listen, listen to me. I got a story. And I'm going to tell you, but I can't tell you now because it, it's the best story about Murano that you ever would hear. No, no, wait a second. You're, you're teasing you me. You're, you're telling me. I, I don't mean to. I can't do it. I can't do well, it. Well, yes, I'm, you can. Yes, I you can, Bob. Write him out. No, I can't. Write him out. No, I, I, I should write him out because he deserves it, but I'm going to. I'm gonna, I got I to gotta take it out. Come on, come on, Bob. Wanna, come on. Eat some Parmesan cheese. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm a, no, I can't. I'm not a rat. I don't. I should be a rat. But and you got to listen every four hours, you know, to Frank Morato with the don't, other don't, side of midnight so I you do. can rat him I out. Do. I do. I do. Come you on, know, rat him out. Come on, Bob. You could do it. Let me tell you something. Amory is going to have a, a bleep in his pants when he hears this one. But I got to go. Let me go. Okay, I love you. Go, come on, Bob, Bob. Don't, don't do this to us. Oh, Bobby, 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 Bobby. Oh, wow. He dropped out. But we got we to gotta have ACDC, Highway to Hell. Oh, man, that's right. So, again, the question is, what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down that you happen to be stuck in? Oh, man. And I'm telling you, I'm thinking myself, I'm recycling through my own medulla and cerebellum, all these different songs. 
Oh, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Bobby is on. ACDC Highway to Hell. So good. These Aussies, some of the best music ever in the world of rock and roll. All right, let's see. Uh, let's go to uh, Denny calling from Tom's River. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Denny. Curtis, good morning. I met you uh, years ago uh, at uh, Sean Hannity's Freedom Concert. In uh, a great adventure in Jackson. Oh yeah, that was great. That was packed, packed to the max. That was that was pretty wild. Hey, I've got a song for you. Sure. I am no fan of this guy by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, Springsteen did a song called "I'm Going Down." I'm going he down, said, Bruce Springsteen. I'm going down. I'm, I'm familiar with it, and this would be the song playing on Hell's Elevator, going straight down that chute. To the bowels of hell. <laughs> Seems appropriate, don't you think? It does. It does. And All because right. I hate, I loathe, I despise Springsteen. It makes it, too. it All gives right. me knockers. It gives me joy. Oh, <laughs> what a great idea, Denny. What a great idea. Glad oh. you like it. Well, thank you, Denny. Thank you. Thank you. We got to find that song now. Because here it is, Farmer Springsteen. He claims, oh, he represents the working class guys, you know, blue collar guys, grew up in freehold, wrong side of the tracks, right? That's what he says. That ends up in 1% Romsin, writes off his uh, his property on the property tax because he says he's a farmer, Farmer Springsteen, Farmer Ugats, Farmer Ugats. Yeah, what does he have, some homegrown there, and he writes it all off? Come on. Oh, that, that's a good choice. That is a damn good choice. Hopefully, hopefully we're, we're loaded up in the elevator. And it seems that Broadway Bill Lee is going to uh, accelerate us. We're going to turbocharge our way right down on that elevator straight to hell. Springsteen, the boss. That's an excellent selection going down, down, down. Let's try Penny calling from Bayshore. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Penny. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. so I'm, I'm currently hanging out at the Milford Plaza, and, you know, it's like loving an elevator here. <laughs> it's fucking awesome, brah. It's a destination <laughs> vacation. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. My husband's yelling at me. It's no, no, birthday. it's quite all right. Happy birthday to Steve. Shout out. Happy birthday, big Steve. All right, now, do you have the particular song that you will propel yourself into the Earth's center. Come on along, I'll take you to the lullaby of Broadway. Hickory and Valley Who. The lullaby of Broadway. And in the center of it all is the Milford Plaza. Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail, dinner, and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby. See that, Penny? We delivered. All right. All right. It's like a wake-up call more than a lullaby, though. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. But, Penny, I will tell you this. In the next hour, we're going to be telling you how the sucker taxpayers of New York City are paying $500 a night for the illegal aliens from Venezuela to stay in the old Milford Plaza, which has been renamed NYC Row right there on the corner of 46th and 8th where they refuse to eat any of the food, where they are drinking cerveza, where the hell are they getting the money, the corona, and they're smoking weed and having sex in the stairwells. Yeah, on our tax dollars. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, Big Jim, who's calling from Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Big Jim. Good morning, Curtis. I got two songs for you. The first one is... uh... Black Sabbath NIB, where Ozzy Osbourne actually says, My name is Lucifer. Please take my hand. Mm. Mm. Now, see, I never heard that. So that's M I B, right? N as in Nancy, I B. Yeah, it's an unbelievable song. It's a love song to the devil. Wow. N I B featuring Ozzy Osbourne. Now, if he were performing on the stage, uh, would we need subtitles to understand what the hell he was singing? Actually, the it's a it's a pretty uh, easy song to listen to. Mm. The second the second one would be Van Halen running with the devil. Oh, that's right, Van Halen running with the devil. Ho ho, that is classic. Now, uh, how long you been living down in the sixth borough of the city of New York, Boca Raton, Florida? That's a great question, Curtis. When I was 27, I'm 56, I packed my stuff up, and I got to put a little U-Haul trailer behind my car, and I drove to Boca Raton, Florida. I'm 56. I've lived more than half my life here. It was the best move I ever made, my friend. Yeah, well, I guess you're seeing a lot of others from up here move down there, too, now. Actually, it's time to move further further north. Yeah, <laughs> Boca Raton is, is like, uh, it is the sixth part. You hit it right on the head, my brother. Yeah, no, no, no. I know the uh, New Yorkers are fleeing down there. And for uh, uh, for Jewish folks, man, it's like they can't wait to get to Boca Raton. Oh, my God. Oh, here, here we come. Here we come. Here we come.
Oh, yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. No doubt about it. good that was good uh, what do we got here because i'm uh i'm uh in hell's elevator i'm going down fast uh-oh running with the devil van halen i'm falling i'm falling right into the epicenter down into the ball of lava at the center of Mother Earth. You can't touch this. Man, who the hell would have ever come up with the idea of what would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down? But yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, right? Yeah, here it is. the devil in my life but the devil never got me our numbers 1-800-848-9222 it's another side of midnight here's curtis lewa all day i face the barren waste without the taste Water. Oh boy, you're getting that water in California. Water. You had drought. Oh, Dan and I with throats burned dry and souls that cry for water. Now you got lots of water. And it's cool water. Cold water. Yeah. 
Let's go to EJ in Syracuse. Uh, your turn to be heard here on WABC, EJ. Hey, Curtis. Um, your elevator song selection is pretty entertaining. I had one uh, that would be perfect for it. It's back to ACDC with Hell's Bells. Oh, that's right. The classic Hell's Bells. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Winnie. Remember, the whole concept here, I was thinking the other night, it's almost like a, a, a Stephen King novel. You're stuck <laughs> in an elevator going straight to hell. What music would you be listening to? Because you know within no time at all you're going to be obliterated. This is the last thing you're going to hear in the world, EJ. So <laughs> your choice would be from the land down under, the Asipasi, ACDC Hell's Bells. Yeah, you can't touch this, Vinnie Madunio. Now, Cousin Brucey, now, Tony Orlando without Dawn, Joe Piscopo. Oh, so good. Let's go, if we uh, can, to Mark. Who's calling from upstate New York? Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Marky Mark. Yes, Curtis, I got the song. Go for it. Europe, Europe, the final countdown. Europe, the final countdown. Okay, yes. that that, that I, I don't think I've ever heard that song before. Yes, you, you do. You'll know that song when you hear it. Europe, the I, the, I, I, the I, lo I love your program. You're and which and part I, of which part of upstate you calling from? Newburgh. Oh, Newburgh. New oh man, that's the Camden on the Hudson. Yeah, I met you a couple of years ago. I still got your card in my pocket. Good. Hopefully, everybody that I've ever given my business card to, I've given out hundreds of thousands. Keep them, if nothing more than an amendment. Want, so the song is again, Mark. The song is again. What's the song? The final countdown by Europe. Okay, this sounds like something uh, you're going to hell, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's over now. You're gone. In Newburgh, let's go to Sarah in Wisconsin. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sarah. Curtis, the Nazi capital of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> the Nazi capital of the United States. <laughs> well, you were talking about it earlier in your show. That's about, true. That's yes, true. how you would go and visit, you know, with your relatives in Wisconsin. And we're really not that bad. No, no, but but, I, but, but just uh, to clarify for those who weren't listening when I was uh, young, 
and we'd go out once a year to visit my uh, father's uh, side of the family, the Polish side, and we'd go up to the dairy farms in Wisconsin, and they had a, a lodge uh, in town that used to be the Bunt Lodge, I, and they showed me all the, archite- the architecture inside was magnificent. Oh, yes. And, you know, actually, we have the largest immigration of Germans of any state in the United States. And I don't know, you've been in Germany, I'm assuming. I've gone yes. there three or four times. And it is, if you get off the plane, don't realize where you're going, and then get off the plane in Germany, it's like you're still here. Yeah. So much of it is the same. And, you know, on that note, I <laughs> I always called Avery. Well, I called one time, and he answered the phone, and he was so rude. And And I hung up, and I thought, Avery is the phone Nazi. <laughs> You're right. No, no, he, he's got he's got quite the disposition, Sarah, when he answers the phone. Oh, but you know what, Curtis? He has so redeemed himself with your your hour long frank comedy show. He, that he's is such a charming man on the air, Sarah. I mean, that is the funniest hour in all of radio. Oh, there is no doubt. And in fact, that leads me to the the song that I would have to listen to on my way to hell. And although I'm an atheist, I'll be on the express lane, apparently. <laughs> it would be <laughs> the the song that's, that the guys wrote for Frank's show that he plays going into the last hour of his program. Oh, you know, I, I think I... Oh, my God. I, no, 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 no. That he he culturally appropriated that from me. I'm not tired yet. No, honey, no. I love that. I love that. Song. Oh, okay, okay. The, the garage. Oh, is this is this the song? No, no, no. This. So uh, we're gonna reconfigure all of this out, uh, Sarah. When when we return, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is at four o'clock hour. That that's what he culturally appropriated from me. I'm not tired yet, but Sarah says that's not it. So we have a bit of a dilemma. Too bad Avery's not here. He's on Operation Hush Hush Mush Mush. Uh, management ownership wouldn't tell us the special assignment he's been dispatched to, but he'll be back same time, same place next week with a brand new hour full of Frank Morano talking and not realizing. How funny it is to all of us. Keep it right here because I'm going to be taking you to the break of dawn. Check this out. On the weekend, Info. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. <laughs> South of the border, down Mexico way. That's where I fell in love when the stars above came out to play. Once again, I'll have to confront Jersey Joe Piscopo in a few hours. When he comes on with a two-hour Frank Sinatra extravaganza from 6 to 8, sponsored by Ramsey Monster. 
and ask him why he never plays this song south of the border, which will now be the song whenever I'm talking about the border issues between Mexico and Texas. You know, with El Paso and Juarez on the Mexican side, Laredo on the American side, Nuevo Laredo on the Mexican side, the Rio Grande right below them, Uh, Eagle Pass on the Texas side. That's one of the entryways. And then naturally, uh, as we go out to Cali, Cali, Tijuana, uh, as you go north uh, and eventually hit San Diego, uh, the border towns, as they call them, the border cities. I just don't understand why. Why Jersey Joe Piscopo has never played this song. It's a really great song. And I know for many, many years that a lot of the Trendoids, Freakasoids, Jet Setters out of Hollyweird uh, would go south uh, to Ensenada along the Baja and even further south down to Acapulco, West Coast, East Coast. I spent a lot of time in Mexico. I I would have to have a heart-to-heart talk with Joe Piscopo. In fact, I want to switch over on this song here. There's another song that Joe Piscopo does not play... uh, 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 Broadway Bill Lee, and that's uh, 435. That's the song 435, please. Uh, this might be the song that we associate with George Santos, you know, because it has to do with Brazil. 435. This is the other song I never hear Jersey Joe Piscopo, Piscopo play six to eight. You know, he's got he's got a great song selection. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, my ear picked up that he doesn't play this South of the Border song, classic by Frank Sinatra, and he doesn't play the coffee song, which should really be pumped in uh, to every Starbucks uh, in the United States uh, because it's just so synonymous. That's 435, 435 there, Broadway Bill Lee. Uh, we will continue to take you to the uh, 6 o'clock hour. We have a little update on the Swagger Man with no plan, Eric Adams, who decided to pick up and depart at some point on Saturday down to El Paso, the border. Uh, He has not been seen publicly. Uh, I think what he wanted to accomplish in this trip was not to do an in and out like uh, President Joe Biden did where he landed uh, Air Force One and then he walked around uh, next to the wall, separating Juarez from uh, El Paso for about three hours, got back on Air Force One, and then flew down to Mexico City to meet with the president of Mexico and the prime minister of Canada. Oh, here it comes, here it comes. This could be the George Santos song because it's about Brazil and coffee. among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. Come on, Joe, play this they've song. got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda, cause they've got to fill that quota. And the way things are, I'll bet they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. No tea. Or tomato juice, you'll see. No potato juice, cause the planners down in Santa's all say no, no, no. The politician's daughter was accused of drinking water and was fined the great big $50 bill. They've got an awful 
lot of coffee in Brazil. Hey, yeah, we got it here, Jersey Joe Piscopo. We got my song every time I talk about border issues from Frank Sinatra, which he's not using. So he's not going to beef, uh, which, again, it's a classic uh, Frank Sinatra song. I hadn't heard it in a month of Sundays, South of the Border. And then this, the coffee song about Brazil every time we talk about George Santos. Anyway, uh, uh, let's go to the uh, audio tape here because uh, Broadway Billy, uh, this trip of Eric Adams, Swagger Man with no plan down to the border between Juarez and El Paso, it's all about the money. He claims that we need two billion dollars in federal dollars to house all these illegal aliens that are pouring in, mostly from Venezuela, from uh, Nicaragua, and from Cuba, and uh, quite a few from Haiti, where this total anarchy that prevails in Haiti now, especially the capital city of Port-au-Prince. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. So, so far, he's got no money from Hochul who said she didn't even think it was significant enough to mention in her inaugural address. Whoa, what a pimp slap that was to Eric Adams, who assisted her in getting elected governor. He's gotten little, if any, money from uh, Joe Biden, who he claims he's the Biden of Brooklyn. And so uh, he's, ru- I mean, he's running on fumes because he's subsidizing all of this with our tax dollars. Two billion dollars? Madonna ma. And then you saw the disaster that happened at the Milford Plaza. We played that song just in the last hour. That's on 46th and 8th. That was the place that people would come to, spend the weekend, and go to the theater. Off-Broadway, Broadway, the Great White Way. Now it's been converted to New York City Row. It had gone bankrupt. Bank of America seized it. It's now an LLC for New York City Row. And 600 of the rooms have been allocated to the city of New York to house the illegal aliens from Venezuela. The New York Post did a really good job exposing what's going on in the rooms. Uh, the illegals are refusing to eat the food that they're being provided with by us, the taxpayers. So how are they surviving? Wow. How are they eating other food? What are they doing to get the food? And then you go into their rooms. They're littered with Corona bottles. They're getting drunk. They're smoking weed. They're going into the stairwells having sex. And there's no supervision whatsoever. So I think it's incumbent, Broadway Bill Lee, that our mayor, who is always thinking about the necessity to make sure that you're eating properly, uh, you're provided with the fundamentals, and especially for those immigrants who need culturally sensitive foods, we want to show New Yorkers how you can have culturally sensitive food that is healthy. <laughs> and then how you can live off of $10 a day. $10 a day, that's all you need. a few weeks, uh, I'm going to have Rachel put through a program where I'm going to live off of $10 a day by eating a healthy plant-based diet. That's true, $10 a day. Excuse me, but he never pays for any of his meals. So, I mean, he he can live off for 10 cents. And then he's always talking about eating healthy. 
why doesn't he just go into the old uh, uh, the old uh, hotel there, which is now NYC Row, and just start cooking up good meals and showing the people how you can do it very frugally and thoughtfully? There's a myth out there that states eating healthy is too expensive. Uh, you can take a bag of lentils, which costs around about $2.80. You can make lentil stew, lentil burger. Uh, you can make lent- lentil uh, pasta. How do you think these illegal aliens would take to eating lentils morning, noon, and night? <clears throat> How ungrateful they are. They're throwing, the, they're throwing the food out. I say throw them out. Send them back to their countries of origin. Well, there's, <clears throat> they're making the argument you can't do that because Nicaragua won't take them back. Cuba won't take them back. Venezuela won't take them back. And uh, Haiti can't take them back because anarchy is taking place there. The gangs run uh, the country of Haiti now, not the government. Let's go to the phones. It's uh, John who's calling from Denver. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Johnny. Hey, I got uh, some uh, number nines, cat and nine tails. We you haven't talked about the, the number nine for a while. Yeah. Now, what is the significance of that? A cat has nine lives. Uh, well, they, they said nine was a a number of perfection, and like uh, the number nine in the Beatles song that Lennon made. Um, I was just reading about it when I was waiting online, and it said something about his uh, his address. He was born. He was born at nine. He said, mm. and his address. Uh, also, uh, the three names of his address in I don't know where it was. Let's see, Waverly. Yeah, Wavertree in Liverpool and Newcastle. Wow. Nine Newcastle Road, Waverly, mm. Wavertree, Liverpool were all nines. Ended uh, nine letters in Newcastle, Wavertree, Liverpool, and the nine. So that's why he used the number nine in the song. Uh, let's now, see now, which, which, which part of Denver are you calling from? Which what? Which part of Denver are you calling from? Uh, it's a suburb of Denver. I used to live in Bay Ridge. Ah, Bay Ridge. So what brought you out to uh, Colorado? Uh, I grew up here, and I was in the military out there at Fort Hamilton. Now, I want you to explain to our listeners, because many of them... Uh, in New Jersey and New York, we have the legal weed shops that are opening up. And Colorado has had legal weed for many years now, all along Colfax, the main drag. Can you explain to them what it's like, how it's mixed in with the other businesses? Yeah, it's kind of like Starbucks. They're all over the place. They got one across the street from the other one when I go down uh, 6th Avenue, which parallels Colfax. And uh, and then across from the base at Buckley uh, Space Force Base in Aurora, Colorado. You can smell weed, the skunk smell coming across the road because they got a grow house right across the street, <laughs> and it goes right, it goes right into the dorms where the guys are sleeping. Wow, wow. <laughs> now, has it changed uh, the crime there? Uh, I think that's just associated with everything else that's going. It's just like gambling, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff that's going on. It seems like all the the, the vices of 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 humanity are increasing. So, of course, all the things that you want to do: get drunk, get laid, uh, have, you know, smoke dope, uh, magic mushrooms, uh, crime, stealing, and yeah, that kind of stuff all goes up. You know. Now, are you still uh, with the military? 
Yeah, civilian. I now, do, over there. do they give you drug tests? I do the drug testing at the base. Mm. So they they still they still do the drug testing. Yeah, I, I collect the urine samples and send it to a bay, to send it to uh, Texas for testing. So we get uh, marijuana every once in a while. And so, what are the standards now? Now that marijuana is legal in the state of Colorado for the recreational use, if the mili- if the mili- if the military gets a batch where it's bad urine, it means it's tainted. It's uh, it has marijuana. What do they do to the the personnel? Well, see, that's a, a fallacy there, the batch. They, they test each individual one because if they put it all together. That's what everybody keeps telling me. They say, oh, you guys put it in a batch, and if it tests positive, then you then we got then we got all got to retest. No, because it would dilute it because you have to go point – you have to 15 nanograms of the sample, you know, of, the, of that person's sample. If it's under 15 nanograms, then it doesn't count because you got, you know, you know, background radiation kind of stuff. You got – you know, people in a in a room with people smoking marijuana, they're going to be, you know, exposed to it. So they're going to have a little bit in your system, just like you would in with radiation. Uh, so they, they usually kick them out if they're enlisted. And I don't know, they, they give them a general discharge, maybe. Um, now, are you, are you aware if anybody has uh, tried to uh, wash their urine, they have substances you can take? which uh, basically washes it uh, before you get tested. Right, yeah, yeah. And I don't know much about that, but uh, it might work. But a lot of the guys, they just go with the odds, you know, what's the odds of me randomly being selected mm. on the on this day right after I smoke it? And, you know, it stays in your system. Marijuana does for quite a while, depending mm. on your metabolism. Mm. But the magic mushrooms and the heroin and things like that, I think they go away from your system faster. So you'd have to catch them right after they used it, probably. Now, John, do you have a song, uh, as we've been asking people, yeah. because uh, uh, we're in a an elevator going straight down to hell. Which uh, song would you select? Uh, Helter Skelter. Um, that was one of them. Then I, The first one I told your screener was uh, I did it my way, because Instead of doing it God's way, you did it your way, so you're ending up going to hell. <laughs> and uh, that's what those are the two. Wow. The Helter Skelter. Yeah. Helter Skelter. <laughs> That's an excellent choice, John. It's describing yeah. our descent into hell. How come Cousin Brucey doesn't play these uh, Beatles songs here, huh? What, did he forget this on his playlist? <laughs> Do appreciate that, John. Excellent selection from out there. Colorado, uh, let's go if we can to uh, Ray. Ray, where are you calling from, Ray? Raritan, New Jersey. All right, now, what song selection do you want to ride in the elevator uh, with while you're going straight to hell? Well, I'll tell you that in a second. Before, can I make a couple quick comments? I've been waiting for a couple months to call you. Of course, of course. Whatever's on your mind. 
thank you. George Santos was such a great liar. I think he should be the nominee for president because he was, <laughs> you know, he lied so great. Oh, right? he did. He did. Oh. I mean, he got away with it for a long time. So I think he'd make a great president. Oh, God. And the <laughs> other thing is Joe Biden, he went to the border for three hours, right? I yeah. think they told him he was going to Gilligan's Island on a three hour tour and he ended up there. <laughs> you know? Very good, man. Very good. I, was just, I had to get those off my No, head. no, you actually, you are the role. My song, When I Go to Hell, I'm hoping it's not a bad place to be, so Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be by ACDC. Oh, wow, we've had a lot of ACDC. Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be by ACDC. You know, without yeah, a doubt. That's one of the greatest bands of all time. When you consider all the hits that they churned out uh, and how dysfunctional they were. I mean, their lead singer died. He choked on his vomit. He was so drunk. And yet, as soon as he left, they brought another guy in. It was like, no difference. No difference. Yeah, well, they had the back in black. They had the music already. And uh, Bon was supposed, Bon Scott was supposed to, you know, he would write the lyrics. So uh, they had all the music ready, and then uh, Brian Johnson, he had to write, he wrote the lyrics for the album, but because Bond never had the chance. Oh, here we go. Here we go, Ray. We're strapping you in. This is our descent into hell. DC. imagine it's like a Stephen King novel here. What song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going down with you in it? And there's been a wide variety of selections that have been made. Let's go to uh, Bob, who's calling from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Curtis, you are my fave. Couldn't you? You're my man. Hey, I tell you what. Every time I do a transaction on a credit card at a store, it it gives me a uh, the first few uh, seconds of Funky Town, and then the people look at me and they say, "What's that?" And I said, "That's Funky Town." <laughs> you know why it plays Funky Town? Because that's where we all live. Funky Town. That's where we are. <laughs> We're going to hell. <laughs> Wow. Now, you know, there are different funky towns. Uh, do you mean Little Nas X or the original funky town? 
the original by Lips Incorporated. Oh, here it is. Here it is. So good. Gotta move on. Again, in a Stephen King style way, what song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down with you on it? Hey, Curtis. To the core of the earth. Yes, go ahead. I got it. I got to tell you. You are my big man. I live in uh, the Central Pennsylvania now. But I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, boy. So a lot of the stuff that you tell me, or that you say on the radio, I can relate to. And when you're in Pennsylvania, everything's kind of vanilla. But then when I hear you talk about Newark and whatnot, you bring it all back to me. Now, which, you know, part, which part of Newark did you grow up in? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I was born in Newark, and I lived in Hillside. Sure. Right next door. Sure, I know that. And Hillside is the, uh, there was a cemetery in Hillside right next to Van Vechten, next to Elizabeth, next to Newark. Uh, right North Broad Street. Yeah, and Phil Rizzuto lived over there. Absolutely, yes. Well, you know, Hillside's a, a real small town. Yes. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great town to live in. I'm not sure about today. No, 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 no. It's bled over from Newark. You got East Orange, Irvington. Uh, oh, my God. South Orange Avenue in Newark. That's like a battle zone, a battleground. And the mayor there, Raj Baraka, he's nothing but a, a mayor who's a thug. Uh, so, uh, well, you see, in Pennsylvania, where we are, right in the middle there, uh, when I say about, uh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. They said, what part? I say the war zone. And when you tell them about Newark and Hillside and whatnot, they can't you they can't believe what you're telling them. But you know, hey, I was there in '67 for the riots, yeah, and that was not fun. No, and remember, he never really got his due credit. But Tony Imperiali and the North uh, Side uh, Citizens uh, Organization took to the streets on Bloomfield Avenue. The rioters were coming into the North Ward. They fought him off. Uh, and they preserved the North Ward, where so many other parts of uh, Newark burnt down, along Springfield Avenue, Central Ward, uh, Prince Street Projects. It was just a disaster, a mess, a mess. But, you know, I tell you what, Anthony Imperiali gave us all hope because he was a no-nonsense guy. You know, that, that, he gave us hope. That, oh, that, oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a great story. I was visiting with him at his uh, civic organization. He used to give the civil service, old civil service test to the young men, young women from the North Ward in the basement so they could go downtown in Newark and uh, ace the test, you know, the old test. And uh, remember, his mother had gotten robbed outside of the Columbus Projects on her way to St. Lucy's Church to a novena. Uh, he went inside the projects, grabbed the guy out, 
made a public spectacle of it. He held his hand out on the curb, the hand that had stolen her pocketbook. They recovered the pocketbook, took a ball-peen hammer, and he broke every knuckle in the guy's hand. You better believe word got out into the streets and into the Columbus Projects there. You don't come into the North Ward. You don't come on Bloomfield Avenue looking for trouble because you're going to get trouble. Right, right. And, you know, we did spend a lot of time in the Ironbound section of Newark. And uh, uh, I, I tell you what, my, my grandparents, they lived on a third-floor apartment on off of Ferry Street on Lafayette Street. And when you tell people, I, I felt so sorry for them. There were cockroaches in the apartment. It, it was just uh, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, well, th- no that idea. whole that whole area, you know, you go ironbound, all the Portuguese, then you go down neck, that's in the industrial area. Uh, Saint, uh, what was it, Kaz- Kazimierz, I think, uh, it's a Polish church. The, the priest would come out, do the mass on Sunday, there'd be so much incense uh, that he'd be with the chalice going up and down, you know, the, uh, the pews that you would need a hazmat suit and a respirator to survive it. Oh, that yeah. was that was old school, man. They had so much of the ashes in the chalice that then they start wringing the ashes and it's floating in the air and you're like choking out. And they're like, no, this will be good for you. This will cleanse your sins. Cleanse my sins. I'm going to choke out on the ground. I'm going to be dead. You know, you said about Polish. I'm part Polish and part Ukrainian. And there's nothing like, there's really nothing like a Polish wedding. Absolutely, but you know, the best thing is with the uh, Poles and the Ukrainians, you could end up fighting yourself, your Polish (laughs) side with your Ukrainian side. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. You see, when when you live in Pennsylvania, where we are, right in the middle, everything is vanilla, and people don't understand what what you went through, what you lived through, and and you've seen it all. Yeah, and, and I've seen part of what you've seen. Yeah, lucky uh, to have survived it and then to be able to come on the number one news talk station in the nation and convey it to people all over the world. And again, I can't say it enough. It is a global station now. It is a global station because of the technology. The old terrestrial radio only took us so far and still does. 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down at Davy Jones's locker between Bermuda and the Bahamas. But with the app crystal clear all over the world, probably the only place you can't get it crystal clear out of all the continents is Antarctica, but I'm not even sure of that. And then your laptop computer or your worktop computer, you get to stream crystal clear all over the world. That's how our friend called us from uh, outside of Kuala Lumpur earlier this evening, well, actually earlier this morning in Malaysia, uh, as he was there for the Lunar New Year. Listens to us when he's in New Jersey, and he went with his wife uh, for the Lunar New Year in Malaysia and was listening to us crystal clear. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa.
The Immigrant Song. Led Zeppelin. And boy, uh, you know, nobody analyzed coming out of that meeting in uh, Mexico City that President Biden had with the president of Mexico, who's got four names. I say never trust anybody with three names, but imagine four names. And then uh, Twinkle Toes Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada. Canada did nothing. Canada has a more uh, open refugee asylum policy than the United States. It needs temporary workers. It has only 40 million people. California has 40 million people. And they have welcomed in so many refugees, so many asylum seekers from India, China, the Philippines, Nigeria, Pakistan, Syria, Eritrea, South Korea, and Iran. But for some strange reason, they have few, if any, people from Central America, from Colombia, from Venezuela, Bolivia, Bogota, excuse me, not Bogota, uh, from uh, uh, South America, from the Caribbean or the West Indies. You get a lot of Haitian cab drivers in Montreal. But they really don't have the kind of immigration into their country where they're always saying they need immigrants, they need workers. So why couldn't we have a pipeline from the border in Texas, uh, do all the paperwork in the United States, and then just ship them, the asylum seekers, to Canada, which claims that it's... Uh, values its multiculturalism, it welcomes them in, and it has broader refugee status. Nothing was done by Canada at that meeting. It wasn't even brought to their attention by the President of the United States or members of his staff. Anyway, let's go to the phones uh, as uh, Mayor Adams is expected to surface at some point today in the afternoon in his visit to El Paso. I don't know if he's going to be going over to the Mexican side, Juarez, over the, the Peace Bridge. I would suggest he do so. That will give him a much better viewpoint of what's going on in both sides. Anyway, let's go to uh, Steve, who's calling from Long Beach. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Steve. Morning, brother. Uh, got a song for you. I know it's not a favorite band of yours, Grateful Dead, but the name of the song is Hell in a Bucket. Going to Hell in a Bucket, babe, but at least I'm enjoying the ride. Hell in a Bucket, we're talking about uh, Garcia and the Grateful Dead, correct? Correct. Uh, you know you know why they're the Grateful Dead? You know where the name comes from? No. If somebody dies and they owe a debt and you pay the debt, those are the Grateful Dead. Wow. The Grateful Dead to pay their debt in society. And, Curtis, one other thing. I got a little, I know you're an animal guy. Uh, I got a I got a little theory on this. See all these whales dying. If you ever get a chance, I'd like to. Yeah, no, no, do up. it now. There's like been seven whales that have been washed ashore mysteriously dead. Well, here's my theory, and uh, it's a late light night radio, so we got the conspiracy theories or the uh, spoiler alert. However, a lot of these whales, they say, because of the sonar they use them to uh, in the ships and to. Uh, Find places to lay uh, hold on a second. You got to talk right into the uh, right into your okay. phone piece. You got me now. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so the sonar, I believe, is screwing up the whales. Now, here's another theory I I, I have in that 
You know, with the babies, they do a lot of uh, sonograms, same thing. You got a baby in fluid, yes. and you blast it with sound waves. Yes. And I'm wondering if uh, there's any, uh, been any studies done about the... Uh, uh, well, Stevie, sounded like a whale there. Sounded like Shamu! El Jefe, Chris Christie! Uh, but anyway, do we have that Grateful Dead song? And again, the whole premise was... Uh, it's almost like out of a Stephen King novel. What song would you be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down to the epicenter of the earth with the molten uh, rock and lava and the heat, which is synonymous with H-E-L-L? I lit up from Reno. I was trailed by burning hands. Didn't get to sleep that night till the morning came around. Set out to run, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. Ran into the devil, baby, loaned me 20 bills. Spent the night in Utah in a cave up in the hills. Get out running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep. Actually, uh... Not a deadhead. I normally don't like the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia. That That's a pretty damn good song. That's a pretty damn good song. I'd have it on my Spotify playlist. Especially uh, on that elevator going straight down to hell. <laughs> Let's go, uh, if we can, to uh, Leo from the Upper West Side. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leo. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I would play from Nazareth. Hair of the dog. Uh, you got to repeat that, Leo. Uh, Nazareth, N A Z Z A R T H, Nazareth, hair of the dog. Hair of the dog, Nazareth. Man, we got to play hooked on phonics with this guy. Let's go to Lenny in Fort Lauderdale. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Lenny. What are you saying, Kurt? I got two for you. I got Sympathy for the Devil and Burning Down the House by Talking Heads. Mm, burning Down the House by Talking Heads. And who is the first one? Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. Let's go with that one, Broadway Bill Lee. I mean, you've, you've spun those stacks of wax Rolling Stones for over 40 years. You made your bones there at WCBS-FM with Joe Causey. And obviously, you're still you're still sitting shiver with Scott Shannon, who's left the morning show. He didn't die, Broadway Billy. He's still alive. He's just retired. Well, let's hear this. Let's hear this. Yeah. He picked the wrong one. He picked the burning down the house. Yeah. Well, he got that first on the playlist. We got two. Uh, right. We got two uh, stacks of vinyl here. So one right. on the right hand side, one on the left hand side. So he's trying to spin the stacks of wax simultaneously. Yeah, but no, no, this makes it. This makes it. This does not break it. This makes it. See, Lenny, he didn't let you down, Broadway Bill Lee, did he? Nah, nah, nah. Sympathy. Keep on breaking French balls. I love it. Oh, yeah. You know that. I'm a man of will. 
as if it's out of a Stephen King novel. What song would be playing on Hell's Elevator going straight down that you're stuck on? You see, this last selection was spot on. Spot on. Let me hear that. Kennedy's 50 years Let later. Me please introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I lay traps for troubadours who get killed before they reach Bombay. Let's go to uh, Scott there in Yonkers. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Scott. Hi, Curtis. It's really great to talk to you. You know, uh, I was actually just about to uh, recommend Sympathy for the Devil. It's funny you said it was spot on. I do have one other uh, song for you, but I was thinking if you if you had a time, you know, I uh, I I've, I uh, I'm a former police officer from here in Yonkers, and um, you know I've been up and down. I have a crazy story and. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're interested, if you have time. Uh, I, I I know a lot about the system here, how everything works. And uh, I even know a little bit about that numerology that the guy was talking about earlier. Oh, the numerology, when mixed with the trichnology, that's a, a recipe. That's like mixing ammonia and bleach. It, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's intense. <laughs> now, wh- where did you grow up? I grew up here in Yonkers. And what high school did you go to? Saunders High School. Saunders. So you didn't go to Roosevelt? No, but I graduated from Roosevelt, actually. Uh, I I uh, didn't do uh, – it's – well, short story is I had to repeat my major, and uh, I was supposed to do one more year, and I had enough credits to graduate, um, so I switched – my credits to Roosevelt and just grabbed the diploma. Now, you know, Scott, who did not graduate Roosevelt High School up in Yonkers? Steven Tyler. That's right. Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Uh, he right. got kicked out for smoking marijuana. That's true. Yeah. That is very true. Now, imagine now. Imagine now. Nowadays with uh, marijuana being legal. I can't imagine yeah. how you would end up getting kicked out of high school for smoking reefer. When he could say, well, you know, I just bought it down on South Broadway in one of the pot shops. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, there's p- 
pot everywhere around here. Um, not even just pot shops. I mean, uh, you know, uh, little quick stops, little convenience stores, gas stations everywhere. You might not see it, but if you ask the guy in the right way, you can get it. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. All along South Broadway, man, a pop-up shops there, up the hill, down the hill, lost in Yonkers, right? Let's go to Chris in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Chris. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Yes, Chris. I had a song uh, that leave no question or doubt. It'd be uh, Straight to Hell by The Clash. Straight to Hell by The Clash. I like that. Uh, if you don't already know... The Clash, which has been considered the greatest counterculture band of all time, actually dedicated a song of theirs to the Guardian Angels and to me called yeah. Red Angel Dragon. Absolutely, one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean uh, that. What a, on the bumper sometimes. Yeah, what a what a tribute that was. Amazing. That came out of nowhere. Apparently, they were on St. Mark's and Avenue A, and they were watching us go back and forth to the subway. That was part of our route. They were sitting there having a cup of coffee, and they determined that uh, we were like urban warriors. And they wanted to include us in their album. And, oh, boy, I, I get I get response to that all over the world. Wait a second. I think, I, I think we're kicking in on this, right? I can see being uh, in that uh, Hell's Elevator, going straight through that epicenter of molten mass, and then soon you'd just be melting. How's about a British gin and real melting? Speaking King's English in quotation. Melting. As railhead pounds feel the steel mills rust. Water froze in the generation. Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. As you know, whenever I play this song, from West Side Story back in 1960. It's relevant to uh, the mass rush of illegal aliens crossing the border into the United States uh, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. When I come back at 3 o'clock today, that's right, I'm not completed the Quinella yet. But when I come back at 3 o'clock, I'll have more information about Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, what he was doing down in... Uh, El Paso for the last day, and whether he actually uh, crossed over the bridge and went into Juarez, which I would have recommended, having been there many times. But we'll see what he has to say as the continued rush of illegals comes to New York City, from Venezuela, from uh, Haiti, from Cuba, and from Nicaragua. And there's no plans on sending them back to their country of origin because the Biden administration says that they are not willing to accept them back, uh, both in reference to Venezuela, uh, Nicaragua, and Cuba. 
But in reference to uh, Haiti, it's just an insurrection going on. There's anarchy. There are gangs. There's really almost no government. So they can't send them back there. So if you're coming in from those countries, it's almost a slam dunk if you get to the border. You're going to end up in New York, probably stay at the Milford Plaza at taxpayer's expense, $500 a night, and you're throwing your food out. You're basically saying, oh, no, 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 no. Culturally, uh, uh, we don't like this food. You don't like the food. And go back to your country of origin where you'll get your culturally appropriate uh, food and not at our taxpayers' expense. So uh, when I come back at 3, I'll have more information about the mayor's trip to El Paso and what exactly he's had to say. And then following that, I'll be talking about the sanctimonious hypocrisy of some of the nonprofits who now have licenses to sell legal recreational use of marijuana in New York City. And yet, it's an example, Housing Worse boasts that it loves drug users, but puts its foot down when it comes to addicts puffing tobacco. So the organization which assists New Yorkers with HIV and AIDS and pushes controversial harm reduction for junkies, that means they get to go into the storefront and a nurse will inject them with their drugs, has received $80 million in taxpayer funding to run this program. But the incredibly, I mean, just total hypocrisy that exists is that Housing Works will sell the weed in the front. But if you go in the back, they're teaching you how to quit smoking tobacco. But not reefer. Oh, there's going to be so much to talk about. And then, oh, the number of subjects we've got lined up back-to-back, belly-to-belly tonight in the most listened-to, most requested, most participatory of all the many hours that I do here at WABC that quantifies me, especially on the weekend when WABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis, to basically be able to touch upon so many stories. But it's the Animal Welfare Hour that gives us an opportunity to really make a difference. And that's when I'm joined by my uh, wife, Nancy, who is the animal rescuer par excellence. We've got about 15 different animal welfare stories to discuss with all of you this evening. And actually, the big one, why are all these whales washing ashore and dying, particularly in our area? And that's what we're going to be able to cover, cover lock, stock, and barrel. Oh, and everything in between. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to... Uh, Loretta, who's calling from Brooklyn, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Loretta. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I thought of an upbeat song for this gruesome trip downtown. Mm. Be happy. No, what is it? Don't worry. Be happy. The landlord says your rent is late. He may have to litigate, but don't worry. Be happy. Oh, no, that sounds sounds so appropriate. And now just imagine here, Loretta, it's almost like in a Stephen King-like novel setting (laughs) where we are playing the music that you have just chosen (laughs) on this hell's elevator going straight down to the core of the earth where you're going to burn, baby, burn. Well, I already did the deed that's getting me in the wrong place, right? So why should I worry? That's true. How about, wait a second, we've got a super sale on asbestos clothing. Would you be interested in any of that apparel? Absolutely. 
<laughs> oh boy. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Got to tell you just a little thumbnail sketch. A lot of our own homeless, uh, American-born and raised homeless, some of them who are veterans, really upset. By the way, the illegal aliens are being treated five-star top shelf. They're getting everything. And they see them throwing away food and throwing away amenities and throwing away apparel, and it's like pissing them off. And then in traveling the subways, as I have in the last 72 hours, Remember, before Eric Adams Swagger Man with No Plan went to Qatar, supposedly to learn about security at a major World Cup event, he said he was going to start removing the homeless and the emotionally disturbed from the subways. Said he was going to have the police do it in tandem with mental health experts. Uh, Mayor, you better get back from El Paso and start riding the subways because... There are a growing number of homeless people and emotionally disturbed people once again riding the subways, especially the E-Train, which is the only train of the massive subway system in New York City to go completely underground from the World Trade Center all the way out to Jamaica Station. And now the MTA has decided they're going to open up nine bathrooms in the vast subway system and only clean them once a day at 12 noon. This is no way to run a subway system, MTA money-taking agency. Hey, Eric Adams, the homeless and the emotionally disturbed are back on the trains.